Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. Studios. It is playing and slaying. On today's episode, the twenty-first episode of Playing and Slaying, twenty-one. Whoa! Old enough to drink. Finally, all these underage episodes, and finally we get there. (laughs) So tonight we will take you through what we've been playing, hobbying, purchasing, browsing Kickstarter for. We're going to tell you all about what we did at Gen Con 51. Maybe it was disappointing. Maybe it exceeded all expectations. Maybe it was just so-so. Maybe you're there. Maybe you weren't there. Maybe it's going to make you yawn. Maybe you'll celebrate with us. But Gen Con 51 recap. And then we will do a Play It or Slay It review of AOS Warhammer Champions. Is it AOS Champions or AOS Warhammer Champions or Warhammer Champions? All, all of those. We'll, we'll check that. Right. We'll come back. Basically, um, Games Workshop yeah. ended up uh, getting into the collectible um, trading card game. So we'll play it or slate review that. But before we get into the meat of the episode, when you're playing in slant, it's important to stay hydrated. What, do, uh, what are we drinking, Josh? Well, this week's uh, hydration station is brought to you by Neil from Work. For all your from work needs, call Neil from Work. <laughs> and it is a, uh, what, what are we saying? This is Han- Hanupu's Imperial Stout from Cigar Brewing, Cigar City Brewing. Uh, where did we say they were from? Tampa, Tampa. Tampa, Florida. It is pretty good. It is a. Uh, Imperial Stout brewed with cacao, cacao, <laughs> uh, cacao, cinnamon, cacao, vanilla. You can't say that without, <laughs> yeah. Uh, vanilla, chili peppers, uh, and it is super good. Uh, I'm a fan. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's smooth. Really it's very smooth. drinkable. Yeah, as far as stouts go. Um, Neil from work. Little Thank sweet. you very much. Yeah, very awesome. Good. So I don't know what if there's a story here. I know Neil at one point did go to Florida for drinking beer for some beer fest thing i don't know if this was an import or local import or whatever i'm very happy that he decided Han- to sponsor uh, and the there, show there is a story there hanapu was a mayan mm-hmm. hero him and his twin brother that i can't pronounce the name <laughs> avenged the death of their father they were born from a cacao tree mm-hmm. that their father was killed and turned into and they became the sun and the moon in mm-hmm. mayan uh lore it's 
pretty cool. Cool. And that's what's written on the bottle. Isn't it? Oh, come on now. <laughs> I thought. Well, well, he, just, or, he just knew that. Huh? Yeah, oh, Ty. That? I, we didn't know. Yeah, it's one of his other hobbies. He's a Mayan history buff. Yeah. <laughs> All sorts of Mayan lore. That's one of my knowledge skills when you look at my character sheet for real life, the role playing game. <laughs> knowledge anything. I'm like a plus nine. All the things. It's yeah. Cool. Without further ado, how about we talk about some gaming? So first and foremost, um, we're going to talk about what we played as far as demos or, or big game like events at Gen Con in our Gen Con recap. So for the sake of this, we've um, this will be games we either played after hours at the con or that we've played since Gen Con. Um, so I guess I'll kick it off with one of my purchases. Mm-hmm. Um I bought Reef, so I looked for it at Origins. It was sold out. Picked it up at Gen Con. Played a few games of it over the um, the con weekend. Ultimately, in in Reef, it has a lot of elements of Splendor, where you are limited in your actions. You can either take a card or play a card. When you play a card, you get to collect a couple pieces. There's these modular plastic pieces in four colors that you build up a Reef on your player board, and then you score points based on patterns on the card. And play alternates in that until one of the pools of coral pieces is uh, down to zero. Then it triggers the final round, and then you score up your victory point totals. So played it a couple times at Gen Con. Um, adds a cool spatial awareness element uh, to like Splendor, where you're looking at just matching for the cards. In Reef, you're actually having to pay attention to where you place your coral, how high you can build your um, your stacks of it. And then I, I got another play-in with, uh, with Tom, a two-player, and that was that was pretty fun. Played real quick um, just the other night, so I've already played Reef three or four times now. Cool. Yeah, I think I got... Did we get two plays in? One play? I, I feel like I played it twice. And that was... I really enjoyed it. I think it's really... Yeah, it's kind of in that... I don't know. A little, I don't know yeah, a little bit in that Splendor area, but... Oh, well, what is interesting is Emerson Masucci, Matucci yep. or Masucci, the designer, is yeah, the designer of Reef, who had designed Century Spice, uh, Century Spice Road. Oh, cool! You're foreshadowing. We'll talk about that a little so, bit too. Yeah, just and, a little connection there for a yeah. game that we we've enjoyed yeah. in the past. And Reef is put out by Next Move Games, which is like another one of the labels from Plan B. Oh, Plan, Plan B, which is what puts out Century Spice Road. Yeah, believe it or not. And then I think people are also talking about this. Is we I don't think we've played is is it Azure, Azul, Azul. People kind of compare this as like the next Azul, which that sold a billion copies. Um, and this sounds like Reef is doing the same thing. So, I mean, very different in terms, but they both are very visually stimulating. And, yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's really cool. It's it's simple for their little plastic pieces that you know one looks like kind of a blob, one looks like a a bit of a gear and then there's one that looks more floral i think mm-hmm. and then um a fourth piece that's kind of reminds me of like an offset yin yang yeah. symbol and good um colorblind from our, our colorblind test yeah. no problem again because they have symbols shapes plus all, colors yeah. and the shapes and cool um yeah really didn't have a problem either when you're picking up on the cards or the actual pieces and so forth but yeah i love the because you're i don't know you're it's kind of weird right you're there's kind of a little bit of an engine right you're trying to your board is kind of your engine you're building as you're looking at the cards that are kind of available and yeah and in in a higher player count game it's really hard to build to the card in the row because 
people are going to take those. Yeah. So you can't, you can only plan on what's in your hand yeah. and it's tough to adjust for something that's out there. You can gamble on it, but there's a good chance if you're building towards it, somebody else will swipe that away. Whereas what I found in the two player game with Tom, I could build hmm. my pattern to match kind of what was on the row or what was on the top because I only had, you know, when I think about it, a 25% chance yeah. that he was going to take the card yeah. that I was building towards that I could take next So you time. could look farther so, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I found like that, like, like a lot of these, right? That's the, when I was saying is I was building stuff in my hand, but then at some point you're like, all right, I can kind of foresee how I'm going to get this. Now do I start looking ahead to what, what card that comes up is kind of going to make sense as the next, mm-hmm. next pattern that I can match. So, that so that's, fun. The, that's the big difference between multiplayer and two player is you can kind of play off the board. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. You, so there's three cards that are out that you can choose from like, mm-hmm. uh, a sh- we'll call it a store, you know, a line of three cards. Sure. And then the one card that's on the deck. If you ever want to take the card that's face up on the deck, you got to pay a victory point mm-hmm. onto one of the other three cards that's already out. So you have four cards to choose from. One of those you got to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a in a two player game, you just have more of a chance to take your turn to play a card and build towards something you haven't yet taken from the sure. the row. Whereas in a four-player game, you just the the chances are that one of those other three players is more likely to take one of the cards in the row than right. You know, yeah, because they're all building towards the similar similar things. Yeah, yeah. While we're on the topic of Century Spice Road and Reef, who all who all got to play that one? So we got finally got Josh to the table. I was surprised that Josh had never played. So I think we broke that out at one of the nights, John and I and, and Josh, uh, the Gollum edition, because that's the only version I play of Century Spice Road. Um, <laughs> and I will let Josh go because I think I've talked about it before and I sure. really love it. So that's not going to be a, a lot of a surprise. <laughs> yeah, though it, it was, um, I think you guys have played it, you know, on nights where I wasn't around or whatever. So. It was nice. Uh, that, that was one of the options that you had thrown out. I'm like, I haven't played that yet. And you're like, really? So um, I, I think we've referenced this as the Splendor Killer. And <laughs> I honestly think it's they're, they're different enough that I, I would play them for their own, you know, their own uh, uniqueness, I guess. It seemed like for Century, Century, Spice, Century Spice Road when you got some of the better cards you got ahead a little bit and and that seemed a little bit more luck of the draw type um versus you know i I feel like in splendor there's a little it's a little less um divisive that way but uh, at any rate it's a fun game um i can totally see how um, you know, they're very similar and kind of building your engine with, with different cards and things. Um, it, it, definitely very fun. I I would definitely play it again. And the Gollum edition is, is uh, I, I don't know what the the other one is, but yeah, the, all the components for the Gollum edition uh, seemed very good. So, And it didn't seem like there were any problems with colorblind issues either. Um, um, a little bit. I think we in that room there was, I think, two of the colors that I know John 
struggled with, and I did a little bit. Um, and I think it was because we were in a conference room, and mm-hmm. so I think it was fluorescent lights and not. It wasn't super bright. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't super bright. But there were two colors that we had to kind of right, the crystals yeah. that if you you had to be careful with like what well, I think it was like what they were on top of because it just kind of bled because they're clear crystals. What it bled through, right? Because um, I think yeah, John did have a little trouble with. Uh, I think once he figured it out, like oh okay. Yeah, right. Uh, this is how I can kind of tell these apart, but but yeah, no, uh, definitely a fun game. Uh, highly recommend. So. Century Spice Road. They do have the. Um, I think they announced Eastern Wo- Century Spice or Eastern Wonders, which is like the next game in that. Um, that kind of you can actually mix it with um, Century Spice Road to have like a third game uh, that you put together. Problem is they don't have like a Gollum edition themed one. So I don't know if I'll ever <laughs> go down. I'm, I'm kind of interested maybe to play Eastern wonders just to um, see what it's like, but mm-hmm. I really wanted to do a new I, rumor is they're not really thinking about it, but they never said they were going to do a Gollum edition of the first game to start with. So it's hard to know what plan B's up to. <laughs> well, then we, um, we all sat down <clears throat> together and played another tiny Epic game. I picked up tiny Epic zombies, uh, the deluxe edition at Gen Con Troy, I know you got your copy from the Kickstarter shortly before or while you were driving or after. Still haven't got Not it. Yet. Okay. Uh, yep. Sorry, <laughs> Kickstarter backers. I bought it at Gen Con before you. Ha ha. No, no, no. He did ask permission from us if he could sell it to Ty. Yeah, Scott, Scott Elms, the uh, designer. Yeah, he emailed me and said, is it okay? I have these copies. Troy, is it okay? Yeah, Troy, is it okay? If I sell it to Ty. He he may have left out our names, but it was pretty much what he did. So ultimately, though, in the vein of the other Tiny Epic games, uh, cards make the game board. So in this case, you are survivors in a mall, zombie outbreak, Mm -hmm. and you put down store cards that are double-sided to give some variation. There are multiple modes to play in. There is a one-versus-all mode that we played in. There is an all-for-one, kind of everybody vying for themselves. And then there is a cooperative versus AI. Interesting. I mean, simple enough mechanics. Like Tiny Epic, you get a few choices what you can do. The zombie player in our mode could put your event card, your item cards in front of you. That would try to seed the the room that he thinks he would be close to to help get more zombies out and advance his his zombies and then there was uh some randomly assigned objectives interesting game it's not my favorite in the tiny epic um i like the customizable meeples Mm -hmm. i like the look of the game um i think i definitely need to play it a few more times to really figure it out right to figure it out and it'd be interesting to see i think because we again as we played it with where we played you know, a human being the zombie player and you crushed us pretty easily mm-hmm. um but then after the fact like oh okay now we get it like here's the things you have to protect against um and i think it would be interesting because the ai might have done the same thing to us right you kind of have to learn like okay here's how it's going to attack you and here's how you gotta mm-hmm. protect um so i think it'd be interesting to play co-op mode too to see if it like is it the ai too dumb and you right. need to have a human or is a human too smart? Like where did they, how were they able to balance it? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and yeah, I, I kind of put it up there. I don't know. If, yeah. Definitely not my top one. Yeah. It's and to, it, to me, it's not tiny epic Western good. Not, right. Um, it, it's on par with defenders. 
Um, right, and I and defenders I can't. Well, and defenders def- I have a little. Yeah, it's like yeah, bottom. Defenders is, is not, not the bottom. The yeah, it's but, a different style. Yeah, I mean, but it reminds me of defenders. Yeah, there are definitely mechanics that remind me yeah. of like a, another. It's like he took ideas from defenders and kind of like oh hold it, I think we can use this for zombies, and then he added. He definitely improved the engine and things like that, and the rules from what he did for defenders. Although I have not seen. 2.0 Defenders, because that, that also which, came Which out, looks very similar to Zombies. Yeah. Um, some changes there. The The playmat was well-designed. It helped a ton understanding how, how things worked, where things went. So that's not included in the in the box, but that was a purchase that I made separately. And I, it has the meeples with the little weapons. Yeah. Which is interesting, <laughs> but for us big-mitted people, I don't... I It's <laughs> it's a little bit of a novelty. It's kind of cool, but some, at some point, it's kind of fiddly. Yeah, the, the zombies uh, are very tiny. I mean, I felt yeah. all the pieces were very yeah, tiny. Yeah. I'm like, there's enough room in the box where you could have maybe sized these up just a, a, little, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, because yeah, the little zombies are like half meeples, right? And, and I, yeah, and then the little cubes, the objective mm-hmm. cubes and everything are super tiny cubes, like a little more weight to some of that component. But I guess that's how you keep it at a $20, yeah. $25 price in a box that is the size of like an old VHS tape. Yeah. Right, and and why you call it tiny epic. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I think it, it, it's fun. I, I'd like It's probably something to hit the table every once in a while, again, because it's tiny epic. It's one of those things you just throw in your bag, and, you, and you're like, maybe we'll get a chance, and well, every once in a while it comes yeah, out. Yeah, kind of like, like that that night. We played it as a game before another game, kind of mm-hmm. just had a, you know four players ready to do something. Let's play it quick and, yep. and move on. I'd, I'd buy it again. I think there's there's enough there to add it to the collection. Um, so not, not great. Not bad. Yep. Maybe that's a blog post. Ranking the tiny epic games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ty, you. Pl- I don't think I think you played it. Josh, did you play with the Shogunate? No. All right, Ty, so, tell us about Shogunate. Yeah, Sounds interesting. So, um, we're sitting in the room in the conference room that we took over on Sunday night, and uh, another Wizards employee walked by and came into the room, and it was Matt and his. Uh, you know, a guy from Seattle that he knows, another Wizards employee that was there, and then me and Barry. And uh, the guy, we were asking him his favorite game. He said, oh, I played this. I bought it, Shogunate. So it's from the the company that does Coup and The Resistance, uh, which is Indie now Stronghold. Cards and Games, which, yeah, just merged with Stronghold. Um, but ultimately, you are dealt a hand of six cards. You are given two random leaders that are from six clans in feudal Japan. And then the leaders of those clans are put in a row, and a card is turned over each round that gives a number of honor to leaders in specific places in that row. And then your cards move those leaders around and sometimes force you to reveal your factions to one of the players at the table. And you can only play one card, your card once, and then it's gone. So you have a limited, every player has the same six actions and they can only all play them one time. And each round, one player doesn't play any cards, and this passes. He's the Hatamoto, and the Hatamoto gets to choose some of the resolution, like who plays their card, in what order. And then some of the actions say the Hatamoto chooses this or chooses that. So um, you're trying to learn some hidden information from the other players. You're trying to position your two factions to get a total of 12 honor, and when you have that 12 honor, you declare it. 
than any other player that has 12 or more honor. It's determined by whose leaders have the most. So very simple game, but a lot of strategy, pretty cool depth. Um, it was definitely my favorite out of like, I hate coup. I know a lot, that's a, a bold, a bold <laughs> statement. A lot of people really like that game. It's a hit and roll game. Um, this, this one just felt like I had more choice, more control, um, and more tactical, um, choice that I had to make, but a very good game. And I think a low price point and a, a small footprint. So I like the art I was just looking at it. And it's, um, <clears throat> yeah, indie, we said indie, it's their action phase brand, which is under indie cards and games. Um, but I really like the art. I mean, it, like nice production. It looks like. Yeah, yeah, really, it's it's really well done. Um, evidently, the guy Mike who taught it to us is a, um, a Magic the Gathering Pro Tour Hall of Famer, hmm. Mike uh, Turing, and it was interesting to hear him break down the game and then Mike teach us and then go ahead and win it uh, against <laughs> us. Um, so that that was a cool moment, um, and then. It, it just it was one of those games where I'll probably go buy it because I, I think it once again it fits into that realm of you, he had taught us the rules and we were all comfortable playing in less than two minutes. It was a quick explanation, sit down and play. And I, and we could all it kind of clicked a round or two in, oh, here's how this actually okay. And you could get a lot of distance out of the game. Um, another game that I played a couple times over Gen Con while we were waiting for other games or we'd split up and was, uh, an older one, but race for the galaxy. Um, I had never actually played that before. It's a hand management, not really a deck builder. It's really a hand builder. Cause you're never building a deck. You're just drawing and then placing cards, choosing an action and, uh, scoring victory points at the end. So really more hand management than a deck builder. Um, with a, uh, a space theme, colonizing planets, choosing a, a strategy. There's development, there's settling worlds, there's trade, and there's military. Ultimate are the kind of four ways you can choose to win, and then you build your civilization in space. And once you've once a player has placed 12 cards, the game finishes the round, and then you score your victory points. So that was a, a fun, quick one. Um, then I believe tabs was an asmodee game this year um, i forget which one of their many companies uh, made it but it is a party game in which there are four or five i think it's four rows and columns so you have 16 spots on this board but one is starts with y contains i n different letters and the other is categories, murder weapons, things uh, that are sticky, parts in a, like things in a school. And there are four categories. You put these colored marbles in, white, blue, and black, and they're worth different points. Then you have, it must be a 30-second timer that you turn over, and it's uh, you're trying to think of words that start with Y for things in a school. You know, and that's tough to do. You could do yellow pencil and take that marble from that spot on the grid, put it in your bowl, and then if you don't get any others, you pass it to the other team. They do the same thing, and it goes around and around. You reset the board and then score points. So it's just a party kind of quick-thinking countdown. <laughs> you find some pretty funny uh, statements and words. So it's 
It was fun. Okay. It was quick to play. It was. Uh, it reminded me, you know, a little bit of code names. I, I can't even find it on Google. Toronto Area Board Game Society comes up. <laughs> <laughs> or tags. I called it tabs. Oh, tags. there we go. Tags. tags. There we go. Whew. Tabs, tags. There we go. That's how we're doing the Google fact check. Yeah, because they're, they're little tags that you pull when you get it. T-A-G-S. And I don't know if anybody's um, seen the on Game Show Network lingo, but it kind of reminded me of lingo. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, tags. Those are tags. Exist. Yep. I'm so it was it was a fun one. Um, I don't know if I'd buy it. It felt like one that would be good for non gamers, like very strong for non gamers, mm-hmm. um, because they wouldn't feel like they're playing a a nerdy board game. They'd feel like they were playing a party game. Right. And this that's Heidelberg Games. So aren't they there? This is like the first year they were at Gen Con, I think. Right. I may be making that up, but that's what I had heard. I thought the, I the demo of it was in the Asmodee area, so I don't it know. Could be that they're right. One one of the many Asmodee company, companies, yeah. right? And then they brought them over from Europe. That could be. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a recap of the games that got played. Quick plays. There was some other stuff, but that's for another time. So, Josh, have you painted your Gasland signs yet? No, but I did cre- uh, build some Gasland storage crates slash 40K because uh, Troy says they're 40K storage crates. Um, just because I put a Matchbox car next to them doesn't mean they're Gasland terrain. <laughs> yeah, no, so so we will certainly get into our hobby section. I just wanted to give give you a quick rip. But no, the, uh, the foregrounds, right? Correct, mm-hmm. yeah, foreground.co.uk. Um, then they, they do a bunch of uh, laser cut uh, uh, terrain for lots of different stuff. But um, I just happened to wander into their their booth, and they had really great storage crates. So uh, I put uh, five of the seven that I bought together, and they're pre painted, yeah, and they're weathered, and they look. Yeah. I, I think they yeah. look really cool. So yeah, the uh, the picture you had sent didn't translate how good they actually looked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that and that company they had a huge and pretty big booth at Gen Con. And what's mm-hmm. nice is because they're a European company to buy that stuff was actually a decent price mm-hmm. here. I mean, if you I think you can order from them, but by the time you get shipping and all the other stuff, it tends to be a little bit more expensive. So it was nice to just kind of yeah, easy to grab it while it was there. And they had a lot of other things like you were saying. There's you could have bought a lot more stuff in that booth. Right. You have to kind of restrain yourself, but. <laughs> Yeah, as I'm checking out, I'm I'm looking over my shoulder and I, I see like some other stuff I wanted. I'm like, no, 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 I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Can spend uh, a lot of money there. So Ty, yes, Troy. <laughs> so you you kind of like put AOS to the side for a little bit. A short break, yeah. Short, and then there was a calling, like another box of minis in your basement was calling out to you. Paid me, my type, my project, me. yeah, my project list. When I think about the grandscape of what I buy and what I paint, is insurmountable. It'll never mm-hmm. be conquered. So I don't know, but this feels like you just like like I'm not like I'm not going to all this other stuff because I think there was other things screaming in oh, your yeah. basement, right? And they're screaming now. Yeah, but you were like folk. You're like no. I've got this in front of me. I got this great idea, and I'm going to go for it. I was, I was inspired to do a a uh, scheme that I'd seen in pictures before. Um, I saw uh, Bryce and I had talked about. There's a guy that did a Skaven army with like the warp fire green weapons and selective desaturization. So ultimately, you're pulling all the color out of the model except for 
one spot that you want to be bright and usually it's the weapons and then it's uh it's all dry brushing um grayscale almost to get the black and white look um made famous really by frank miller's sin city um in that look of very dark but striking where you see a lot of the texture you see a lot of the features on the face pick up the lighter colors um so i did the black plague uh and all artist boxes and Kickstarter expansions <laughs> from the first one. So in total, it was seventy-four heroes, and I did every one of them in that in that style, um, with red, kind of a bright red weapon that stands out against the black and white grayscale of the the character body. And it looks really cool. I I, I haven't seen them in person yet, but um, I'm, I'm anxious to to check them out. But they look awesome. So it was, I think I did it all in about eight days, um, spaced out yeah. slightly before and after Gen Con. I got back Monday, and Monday night I was hobbying again. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I just, I, I figured out a way in about three hours of work, I could get 10 of them done from the black primer to finish product. So I was able to move through those. And then it got me thinking, I just painted 74 models. I had a 105 model Death Army painted 40 chain rafts for meltdown how many have i done i figured out now with the eight zombies that i finished last night i'm at exactly 250 models from january 1st until august 15th so that hashtag 365 uh could be obtainable um 116 to go yeah 100 115 all right 250 365 oh yeah yeah math, math is hard math especially is hard. after the hanapua <laughs> it's a yeah it's, it's a leap year or something <laughs> yeah yeah uh but no so it's it's been fun uh it's got me back painting some of the black plague um now it's time to turn my attention to some aos projects um i don't know if i'm gonna get my tale of four warlords done i have another week and i'd have to do a whole zombie dragon uh Maybe. It's just one model. It is. That's a big stinking model. So is the selective desaturization, is that what you guys always see uh, being colorblind? Or like, is that, does that make it fun to paint because it's like, oh, this is what... So Troy, how's your hobby been? Yeah. <laughs> so we did, at Gen Con, John did pull up like some app that tries to show yeah. people like Josh... I was, what, I was blown away. What, what normal what color, us, color people see? Color normatives. Yeah, co- color normatives. Yeah, what they what. And there was like people. a couple different types, and and I, I was sort of blown away. Like I don't know. It, but what was crazy. funny is I looked. I'm like they all look the same. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Like, I was like, nah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately everything's a little less vibrant, a little more washed out, yep. and mm-hmm. um, red and green tones and things are are harder to identify. But Troy, have you been painting anything, assembling mm, anything? How about I purchasing? So, uh, yes. Purchases. Unfortunately, per- yeah. And I did, I think it was right before Gen Con or I had a, a little bit of an impulse. I knew I was going to get it as I did buy the, the kick, uh, the kill team, uh, starter box, the monster, a big coffee bo- coffin box and then the opening i did an opening of that box and it did you record it no i did not record <laughs> it because there are eighty five thousand 
opening for those on the <laughs> internet already. So it's like, yeah, yeah. And mine, mine's sitting in the passenger seat of my car. Picked it up from, so we did a, a group mini stop order. So picked it up from Brendan's last night and it's sitting there. I haven't brought it in the house yet because it weighs a ton. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it, it is a joy to open. Games Workshop just keeps upping the game. Like they do make it an enjoyment, enjoyable, you know, activity to open that box and then and there's just the amount of plastic in that thing there's got to, it feels like there's six inches of sprues that you pull out uh, and you're looking and mostly we, i was getting in, like four really good sized buildings yeah that's like what sprues. it is like it's the the building sprues are massive you're getting it's, 10 or 12 um skitari mm-hmm. the admac uh guys and then you're getting 10 to 12 gene Steeler oh, cult yeah Models, all the dice, all the cards. It's it's huge. Yeah. And what I was really excited about was to see the board, that board they give. I mean, nobody's really talking about it a whole lot, but well, like that's, that board you give did, is really, really nice. Did you nice. see what Table War yeah. did? So the game plays on 22 by 30 inch surface, which is really not normal yeah, for right. any of their stuff. Usually you'd think it would be a two by two, but 22 inches by 30 inches. So they have the cardboard cityscape board that looks really good but table war has made four different styles of double-sided um city fight kill team mats and they're selling them each for about 45 to 50 dollars or you can buy four of them for like 140 so i i, I might yeah, mistakes were yeah. are gonna be made could be but i <laughs> i just don't don't undersell the board the board is amazing in when you pull it out yeah, and look at dice, it, dice rolls so well in those mats. I, I can't, I, I can't play on a. I, take a look at it. when you pull it out. That I'm tempted. You're, I'm tempted to like actually, because I think they have more boards than some of the other um, starter kills. I'm tempted to like get a hold of three or four boards and like play 40k, like cover a table and play 40k. <laughs> on them. They are, and again, they the designers. I, I mean, Ray Drayfield, I think, is on. He was on one recent Stormcast. Um, podcast and if you follow him on twitter it's amazing he shows you all the hidden gems and the easter eggs that they put in when he designs a lot of the terrain and stuff and even the board they were you know they made it so that if you have multiple boards you put them next to each other you're building out they all fit together and i it's really i was impressed with and it's super you know thick card it's not like your typical board game board it's you know very close to like the old space hulk you know super thick tiles so um yeah I, i'm really i was impressed with even the board again it's just that whole package is just over the top so so that's my hobby yeah opening stuff and <laughs> hey, smelling spruce purchase purchase counts I, I went in to gw to get re-inspired uh this was last week after returning from gen con for aos because i've been on the black plague kick and i was like i need to buy something i don't know what to buy and I was like, I, I, at one point, I had a Sylvaneth um, start collecting box in my hand. <laughs> I had more Deepkin in my hands. I'm like, what do I want? Then Brennan was like, well, what about Evocators for your Deepkin allies? And I was like, oh, yeah, Evocators are awesome. They're really good units. It's 400 points, though. It's probably not going to fit in my list, but I've got all the Stormcast at home. Why don't I do this? So I went and I bought two boxes of Evocators, which are really good that unit i'm excited i might i might do a stormcast army it was funny that was the day i missed you by like 10 minutes right yeah yeah <laughs> we were both in gw that day walking yeah. around looking for stuff to buy although 
I had tons. I had many, many choices too to buy between. There was a million. Again, I was looking at a lot of terrain, all those terrain sets. Mm-hmm. Although I think I ended up walking out with um, a line sorcery. sorcery. Um, I had never bought that. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Get your endless spells. Yeah, right. I mean, people keep. Yeah, Mr. Like, uh, Mr. Uh, Fate Weaver. Yeah, I need, Zinch, I'm going to need a little bit to, when I play Jab when Josh yeah. crushes me the first time. But All right, so that's our hobby. Purchase, building, painting, all the fun stuff. How about Kickstarter? Coming off Gen Con, anyone falling into any Kickstarter traps? It's over, so I won't. We won't talk about it. But I did the one you talked about on last episode that storytelling game that was out. I saw it at Gen Con, and then I had backed it. I backed that um, the one that heads of Pat Rothfuss. Good because I I didn't. You you I, can still as we're talking, but not as you guys are listening. <laughs> as we're talking, you can still late pledge. They just opened up the late pledge. Okay. And um, if you really want to. Um, and I, it looks cool. Yeah. It, it was, it. It was it's Portland. not that expensive. I don't think. I've started, I've started to Kickstarter and I call of call of adventure. Sure, I think. Right. Okay. Um, and I want to say it was 55, $60 right. gets you the base not. game. Plus the name of the wind mm-hmm. expansion that, um, the, the concept is you're, you're a hero just starting out on your adventure and you're playing cards that build a narrative as you go through it um, to become a hero to like, it's a hero's journey. Cool. Um, so then the name of the wind expansion adds in, you know, Quoth and his, how he picks up his skills and what he does as he advances. So um, brother wise games, I believe was the, yep. the company for you, that. You got it all. Uh, Josh, I sent you a message yesterday. Oh man. Um, I happened to see something on Kickstarter. It said final day. So I'm sorry to our <clears throat> listeners at the time of listening. You won't, you won't be able to back this maybe a late pledge, but yeah, it, it has ended, um, as of uh, a few hours ago. Um, uh, so I was a home, st- I'm still, I am a homestar runner, uh, com fan, uh, if you don't know Homestar Runner, check it out. It's their funny videos and it's a cartoon online. Um, but from back in I don't know college days, it was it was kind of big. Um, but there's a dragon um, that one of the characters designs and kind of draws like an S and puts a big, huge hulking arm on him and some wings and names him Trogdar. And Trogdar is the burninator, and he burninates the countryside and all the people and all the peasants. And so, um, fast forward 15 years or whatever, <laughs> um, they make a Trogdor board game. <laughs> and Ty, knowing that I'm a Homestar Runner fan, uh, shoots me a text yesterday and he says, Dude, you got to check this out. And I'm like, And he sends me a link to the Kickstarter, and I'm like, well, okay, take my money. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) So back back when this was, uh, I guess it was fairly popular. Um, I had no clue, and Josh was like the only person that ever told me about it. And that, um, so when I saw this, it was just one of those funny. 15 years later right to yeah. remember oh josh is the only person in the world that i know that would care about this and uh send it send in the link yeah it's so good and i actually have a uh, a large stuffed the cheat is one of the one of the characters he's like a little yellow guy um i have a stuffed the cheat up in my closet so i had to bust him out and give him a kick but uh yeah i know i i definitely backed it um and then that led me to back something else on kickstarter because that's oh how kickstarter is um there's this guy doing 3d printed 
Um, it's like a space base. It it looks like the uh, the Hell Fort um, from GW, mm-hmm. but it's actually like um, I don't know, kind of space marine themed. It's got like uh, little pillars and and gun turrets and things. And so this guy's gonna three D print all all like the whole thing. Um, he's got a bunch of three D printers, and it looks really cool. And it wasn't super expensive. Uh, I forget how much it was, but it, it goes four feet across. So I was like, if it's half as good as it looks on the mm-hmm. Kickstarter, all right, I'm I'm backing it. So thank you. You got me sucked into two Kickstarters. So you're I welcome. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. So the and same thing. I don't know why I was. We were talking. We were so good about not. Mm-hmm. I was and out. Yep. Yeah, and then. Ty had mentioned Call Adventure, and then while I'm on there, I'm like, oh, look, the Expanse RPG is out. <laughs> it looks like just, I need to take my money here, so too. You guys, so you guys realize this is a nefarious plot. Yeah. I don't want to acquire more games. I've run out of space. I can't do it. <laughs> I need other people in the gaming group to, to purchase so that when they come out, I can play them once and then not feel bad that I spent $60 mm-hmm. on a game. Well, you're welcome. So thank you both for falling into the trap. I will do this again when I see something else interesting uh, to ensure that somebody <laughs> in the group purchases it. Um, not Kickstarter, but it was a Kickstarter, Ashes of Creation. I've been doing mm-hmm. the podcast with um, our buddy Mark uh, in advance of that game. They announced um, some pretty big news that they'll be doing their Alpha 1 uh, starting in September. Today, at the time of recording, is the last day to purchase. They're doing like pre-sale, game time, a bunch of throw-in stuff, and access to their um, Alpha. So I don't think I'm going to buy the Alpha 1, um, but Alpha 1 Part 2, which will be early next year, so probably February, March of next year, um, I think I'll, I'll go in on that. But that that's the windows closing because they wanted to let 10,000 people in to their Alpha. Cool. So. Cool. And then the other thing I finally got from Kickstarter was Star Realms Frontiers, which was their like Star Realms 2.0 um, version. That I don't. Even, I, I was looking. It's like more than a, I feel. It's a year or more since that they uh, I put it in for that. So I finally got it. Actually, really nice. Um, it is just like another whole version of Star Realms. Uh, John and I actually played it when we were at Gen Con. It's Star Realms. It's like Star Realms 2.0. They kind of cleaned up some of the, the... The mechanics are almost exactly the same. They cleaned up some of the cards, like how you score things or whatever, just to make it a little... Instead of having that pile of cards, they actually just have a, a, a scoring two scoring cards that you just kind of put next to each other to score. Um, so things that make sense. Um, that's still fun. I kind of like... I mean, just for a throwdown deck builder, um, yeah. it's Star Realms is pretty good. And there's... Also, which you got also options where you can do a lot of bo- like boss battles and solo battles or co-op battles. Um, I haven't played that yet, but that looks interesting too. Like another kind of way to, to play a game and a giant box to store all those stuff in. That's what I also ordered, which is <laughs> kind of cool. Really cool art and cool stuff like that. So it was nice to finally get that, and I assume that that's going to show up in retail pretty soon. So very cool. So Kickstarter and. Um, what uh, we usually end up doing too is rambling about some other stuff that's out there. Um, I guess I'll I'll start out of order with some podcasts I've been listening to that uh, are 
not really like BOD Library. We don't mm-hmm. often talk about what we right. listen to. But as podcasters, it's fun to listen to what else is out there. Um, Face Hammer put up a new episode uh, today. That's really good. It's Russ and then Domus and Brad Schwant, mm-hmm. uh, so Aurelian, um, talking about Midwest Meltdown. So it's interesting to hear Russ's line of questions, mm-hmm. uh, being a big UK tournament mm-hmm. organizer and, and competitive player. And Domus and Brad. So all three of them are GW playtesters and mm-hmm. very involved in the community. So it's some interesting conversation just about AOS 2.0, the current tournament meta. Um, and uh, some they end up just kind of chatting about list design and stuff. So it gets it gets really interesting. It's a really great episode that that I listen. I just consumed today um, and <laughs> wanted to talk about it. Uh, Tyler Emerson, Scrubby and Wells AOS podcast. After a nine or ten month hiatus, he's back. He had guested on, on Cubic Shenanigans, shenanigans yep. with uh, Dan and Brendan, a few yeah. friends of ours, other local guys here. And and that's a really good episode. Also, um, really good. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, again, we know Brendan, but it was really good to hear Tyler. I think just having Tyler there and having them talk about just kind of the meta scene. That's what I really enjoyed about it was the, the meta of how, where AOS 2.0 is and different armies and a lot of where the competitive and, uh, environment and, is and how people are trying to figure out how to set up these different tournaments and events. I want to say tournaments, just events that people want to have and have fun. And there's still different ways to play, right? I think we can, sometimes they, we get focused a little bit on that ultra competitive stuff but tyler does a good job of kind of opening up the visions like hey there's other ways to play and and these are people how people are supporting it so it's really cool yeah and in so scrubby and wells new episode he has brendan mm-hmm. on and he has uh jeff the to um for siege, siege, world. siege world a big itc uh event in st louis going on very soon might be this weekend i don't know <laughs> um, very soon in St. Louis. So uh, a very great episode. And then the um, the final podcast that is out there. Any guesses? It's ours. So oh. I've, been, I've been listening to ours. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't have a, a, an actual third one. <laughs> um, but episode 21. And we're going to try to bring another one here pretty quick. So we like, uh, we like our content getting it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look for a BOD library segment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a while. We've added books to the the list, or TV shows or movies. So, coming soon to your ear holes. <laughs> so, um, Ty, uh, I did mention the Expanse RPG, which is Green Ronin and yeah. Chris Pramus, and um, you also liked his tweet and uh, his disparaging <laughs> remarks. And I happened to just on Twitter. He noticed that at Indy as he was at the airport. Oh, look, there were some gaming tables out there, and how so, nice it is of Indy to support. But but rather than <laughs> celebrating Indy and how great Gen Con That's has true. been there for eighteen years, he is stuck on disparaging the fine city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and how Milwaukee wasn't receptive to Gen Con, and Milwaukee didn't welcome Gen Con attendees. Well, here's here's the problem, Chris Primus. First, nobody cares about your opinion. Go back to creating RPGs, not making social commentary on other cities in the Midwest that you don't live in or travel to. I bet he hasn't been there in 17 mm-hmm. years. 
maybe he's sad. Maybe he's sad that it left Milwaukee, and that's why he's 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 he's, he's, he's reaching out. He's, he's no, his his tweet was pure asshattery. <laughs> it was pure asshattery, like clickbaiting Milwaukee hate. I'm just trying to save it for when he comes on as an interviewee sometime. No, I'll never interview Chris Pramus, <laughs> and I'll never play one of his RPGs. <laughs> so it, it brought up an interesting discussion, yeah. though. Yeah. Like, rant aside, trashing on Milwaukee, yeah. whatever. It was a different time. Yeah. What's very interesting about Gen Con now, social media presence, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, <laughs> the ability to coordinate and do these other things, it's way different than it was in the late 90s. Being a geek and a nerd is cool now. Like, like yeah. It, and yeah. yeah, social like social acceptance and right. mainstream like one thing we 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 don't have on the show notes, but Joe uh, Meganello oh, yeah. was on Stephen Colbert, oh, yeah. um, and they talked about Dungeons and Dragons for ten minutes <laughs> on the on Colbert, which yeah. is and, and like huge not media. just like hey, I played D anD D like. No, here's how I roll up a character. Here's how, like, At, hardcore yeah. D&D. And he's showing a picture of his, like, lair, you know, yeah. where yeah. they play. It's hilarious. And, and I'm like, wow. Like, there are, I don't know, millions and millions. Of, but what's funny is there are million people who are identifying just like all of us. And then there's all these other people who are being exposed to this thing mm-hmm. that they probably have heard about, but never really. And, and I mean, and, and that's, that's exactly why what Gen Con is now is so different. It's it's truly a different. It, Indies had seventeen years to get it right, um, to to prepare for it. Milwaukee had it less time, I think, than than Indies yeah, had. As we look we back, think about it's interesting. Right? Milwaukee, yep. um, and it was a different time, and it was it's a different it's a different layout. The city yep. of Milwaukee is is yeah. different. Yeah, it's and more, I've always said, I, I mean, as much as we live here, I, I at the time Milwaukee just did not have the infrastructure where they could support the con anymore, and and that's why they had to leave. And now, I mean, finally, they're starting. We're starting to get more downtown hotels, and and, uh, and the, they're starting the plaza to, around the new the new forum, the arena. Right, the, the arena is actually like the thing that's the, the that's breweries, breathing life. The, there's there's so much going on. If you're not from Milwaukee, get here to check it out in the summer because winter's awful in the Midwest anywhere. But yeah. <laughs> summer in Milwaukee is amazing, yeah. and I wish Gen Con was still yeah. here. And and it's kind of I mean we saw we know um, and I saw Chris from Nexus down at Gen Con a couple of times. I never got to actually talk to them. We actually were passing twice, and we never got to connect. But I mean he he tried also to kind of get Nexus to kind of get another con in downtown Milwaukee. Um, I, there, I think it was a little bit, might be some timing issue. Well, what time of year? Time, it's timing and size and, and social yeah. media. You need, yeah. you need to advertise. You need to get buy-in from local places. And um, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's still here. He just moved it back towards the airport where you have a little bit cheaper and things like that. So it's still here and maybe it'll move again, try and move again downtown um, to get adventure. So, yeah, I'm, so, I mean, look at look at the success of of Gamehole Con right mm-hmm. now as Wisconsin, Madison, smaller town, not downtown. I mean, removed from anything, yep. but growing and embracing, um, mm. you know, another city here. So, Chris Pramus, you've earned my eternal <laughs> enmity. Nothing holds a grudge longer than a dwarf, other than me. I don't know if I've ever said that before, but um, mm-hmm. I will never ever. I've heard that one ever, ever. Like anything Chris Primus does again. You heard it here first. All right, let's let's move to well, let's, let's move to an, another little breath, bit of a uh, more positive, but a little bit of a bittersweet. 
Um, unless you want to touch on our uh, the Dune license, we'll do some transition. Yeah, yeah. So as uh, big readers, Dune mm-hmm. has always been you know one of the upper echelon of sci-fi for me. I think mm-hmm. I think you're a big yep, uh, right. Dune fan. Um, the license hasn't hasn't really been in yeah. gaming yet. And Gale Force 9 picked up uh, the license recently. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, I think just bo- for board games, I think somebody else might have the RPG license, but that that IP is out there and available. And Gale Force 9 has been doing a lot of movie and TV-related stuff, so it was interesting to see them kind of snap that license up. Yeah, there was the very old, there was the Dune board game that Fantasy Flight, I think, had at one point, then they lost the license, and then they and rebranded they flipped it. And it around to the, Rex or whatever. whatever. Yeah, to their, whatever their internal. Um, they Basically, it's the exact same game, just reskinned. Yeah. <laughs> there, so. um, but yeah, so our, our local games workshop, um, the manager there for the last five or so years, uh, Heath, just a, an awesome guy. Um truly positive to to growing a community <clears throat> his uh his last day is coming up at the shop he's going uh i think going back to school to get his master's degree so he'll still be in town and around but that that store is currently hiring a new manager so um if you are local make sure you you know you go in and thank heath uh he's been just a huge huge piece of the uh the community growing the age of sigmar scene here helping out with um terrain for the Bruce city brawl uh and really renewed my interest in in the hobby i mean it was one of those things where yeah i played here and there i never painted my stuff i <laughs> would assemble show up to the bod to play um but with age of sigmar he really was a huge part in getting stuff painted you know showing up for events armies on parade other stuff like that so it'll be uh it'll be a huge hole in a uh, games workshop here in town um, be interesting to see who, you know, who picks up the uh, the reins and, and kind of runs that store from here. But um, just wanted to take a minute to thank Heath and, uh, you know, let everyone know, stop in and wish him well. Whew. Could probably use a beer break because um, this stout is running low. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about our recap and review of Gen Con 2018, The Lie. All right, we are back, and it is time for Gen Con recap and review. Gen Con 51, L-I, if you're into the Roman numerals, a.k.a. the lie. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's how we're going to do this. We're going to talk about some of the events we played in. That is uh, ticketed event games. Um, We're going to then just kind of talk about people, things, works of art, uh, interesting booths, whatever it may be that we saw at Gen Con. Uh, rather than boring you with our crazy acquisition disorder purchase lists, in my case, mm-hmm. um, we're going to give the top three things that we bought at Gen Con, which might be the only three things you bought, or it could be just the top mm-hmm. level of your depravity. Mm-hmm. Um, going to talk a little bit about the dining experiences. We like giving the tips and talking about the places that we're excited to go, so we're going to see if we made it out to any of those. Um, and then if, if there was anything else really cool or, or unique uh, that um, caught our attention as kind of the coolest thing of Gen Con. So uh, if you're Chris Pramus, that could be, you know, tables at the airport. Uh, <laughs> but if you're one of us, you'll have to hear what, what it's all about. So we'll try in 
not necessarily chronological order, but we we each have some events we want to take a few minutes to talk about. So, Troy, let's start with you. And uh, you played, I believe you and John sat down to play Witchborn, the, what, what did you call it, kind of a tabletop miniature gaming role-playing game? Yeah, so I think they sell it as kind of a miniature RPG game. Um, I would call it, it's really a miniature skirmish game with uh, a lot of story and story-driven um, scenarios and it was it was a bla- it was a lot of fun. Um, the guy who the main designer and runs the company actually ran the event, which probably really helps you get excited about it. Um, and we just played. I think it was like an hour, just more of an, an hour demo, get a feel for the rules. And in that, I think you had four like you have four different kind of war bands. And the idea, I think there were some. We were trying to find some some treasure. Some airship had kind of dropped some stuff, and we were just trying to find. So there was a couple objectives trying to work our way to it. And there's a couple monsters on the board. And what's really cool is there, there's a, an app integrated that really does a lot of the, all the work that you would do on, in the, in the skirmish game. So when you get to a certain, you know, get the objective, you go to the app and it kind of has a whole bunch of random things that can happen. And really, then that's where the story part comes of it. The app really helps tell a narrative story around like there's some and i think the idea of in the i can't remember exactly the idea between witchborn i believe that like something's come in the world that kind of reanimates a lot of death so even when anybody kind of dies they can get kind of possessed by the witchborn which then and then kind of come back and create these kind of possessed monsters for that so um it was fun it was i was kind of like hmm, maybe i should like throw some money at this and maybe even use again it's kind of miniature agnostic um right now he's using reaper bones as you can you know those miniatures to kind of use for the different kind of factions but i'm like i have three boxes of bones miniatures that i don't do anything with would it be worthwhile just to get and he was ready to do all kinds of different options they have a starter box that has a couple factions in it right now they have like a mega box so they can get like six different factions um, but he was also ready to do like he's like we can do a miniatureless version with you. So they're a real small company. I don't think they do very little like retail distribution at the moment. I think they're not through a main distributor. He's the one who's if if there are any shops doing it, they're doing it directly from him or from there. So I think the game's been out. I think it came out Gen Con like a couple years ago. I, I remember or something. seeing him at Adepticon a few years back. Um, his first year. Can't, yeah. can't be more than three years. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, for sure, not more than three yeah. years. I feel like this is kind of their second or third year because now I think the the starter box is new now, and then they kind of add on. I feel like it was apps. a Kickstarter. Originally. Yeah, I think it was originally a Kickstarter to kind of get out there, and then they sell them like the big maps, and then there's an app for each of the maps, and it kind of tells you different. It, it's almost like different adventures you play through um, with your different war bands and stuff. So yeah, real interesting. I mean. The trouble is it's competing with a whole bunch of other stuff in that space um but it could be interesting and it feels like something you could again i think the strength is when over a campaign like again it has total rules for have your war band and they're going to level up just like an rpg they're going to level up and you get experience points and different and there's a ton of kind of skill trees that you can add to the characters and and do stuff so yeah, there's a really cool game there. I mean, and part of it was, I mean, Carl from Independent Characters talked a lot about it. I think he played played it when he was um, at Adepticon. That's where he got exposed to it, and he really likes to play it, and he likes to play it. Um, so that's what made me like, oh, I'll check this out and see what it is. So so I did not pull the trigger on it, though, because of other stuff that 
we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> but I would check it. I mean, Witchborn is pretty cool, and I, I would check it out if you get a chance. It, it was it was a, a fun event just to play for an hour and really to get exposed to it. So then one thing that we did as a group that was uh, was a lot of fun, we played the new Fort Warhammer 40,000 role-playing game, uh, Wrath and Glory, um, kind of the the starter scenario for that. Um, and that was the, the three of us and Troy's brother, John, uh, sat down at, at the table with one other guy and got to play through it. So um, Ross Watson designed it. He did a lot of the old 40K stuff. Um, kind of a unique D6 pool system um, with wrath and glory points yeah. that you can spend to alter rerolls or gain gain a little edge. One of them, when you spend it, the uh, the game master acquires it as ruin uh, ruin points that he can spend to make bad things happen to the group, add extra enemies, different hazards, um, similar to the risk that you accrue in Outbreak mm-hmm. Undead. I thought it was it was good. Um, I think I need to kick the tires on it a little more because yeah. I I don't know that they captured power level adequately. <laughs> that, that was funny. I don't remember who I maybe John had the same conversation around how do you? I mean, it was kind of the an introductory scenario, so you kind of had all the different kind of characters represented, and they talked a little bit. I mean, around how the characters kind of because you have a space marine in there which is always interesting right how do you have a space marine in your party and not have the power level be all kind of whacked out right um and so they did you can they did a couple different things but they didn't again we didn't go into depth um to really see what they did because i think that that like there's an there's an imperial guard guy there and the space marine Mm -hmm. and imperial guard guy actually is really i think if you look at him he's really like souped up to be to be able to kind of play in the same you know, game with the, the space. Marine. Yeah. And I, I played as the imp guardsman and, and going into it, I was kind of like, I, I, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, uh, I'm going to just be following along with my little flashlight, right. My t-shirt. And, uh, <laughs> well, it, it was, what struck me too is how they adjust for it was they, they toned down the space Marine mm-hmm. to the point where it didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me out of immersion into mm-hmm. the, the role-playing aspect of it because I knew my resilience that should have been, I mean, Mark three power armor nerd moment here, but you're a walking, (laughs) you're a walking fortress. Mm -hmm. And I had maybe one point more in like the damage reduction than, you know, the Imperial commissar did, Mm -hmm. which made zero sense to me. And it wasn't from like a power gaming. Oh, I want power armor, but it, it impacted my immersion of, how are these two things even close? Mm-hmm. Like there should be no comparison. Um, and it, yeah. it was weird. It, yeah. it, and that I was, I, and I really, I, I liked the system. I think yeah. the system really lent itself. I like the, there's narrative elements there. I love that wrath die and where you're giving and using glory to make when you're to use stuff there. So I, I like the system there. I think, yeah, it's more, and I, I think it was the same way in the old one is, you know, the old where I think you have to kind of it's 
unlike kind of a fantasy one where it's like, yeah, we're going to take each kind of character class and drop them in. I don't think that kind of just makes sense in a 40 K. Like right. you need to have like a, either it's going to be very kind of Imperial guard. Fo- you know, right. I think a you have to kind of, of a squad yeah. that makes sense. Or maybe it's, Again, the Inquisitor and their retinue. Yeah, maybe it's thing, or maybe it's, it's some scouts, like yeah. specialist scouts yeah. from a you know a guard yeah. detachment. Maybe it's a commissar and like right. a junior officer and something else. But the hodgepodge mix didn't work for no. me. Yeah, um, and, and I'm hoping that was just for the con, to, so everybody could play something different and yeah. get a, get a feel for it. I'm hoping and, that's what. As it was. you look in the rules, though, it's really not. Oh, really? It, it, mm-hmm. it is. It is like a totally homogenized, interesting world and system. Okay. Um, there's not that separation built like the old 40k. You had different games. Yeah. Uh, and what Ross did with this, which probably helps get it to more of a broad audience, so you're not spread yeah. too thin on your product line is build it all in into one i just it's going to be yeah if we if we end up playing it and get any you know games in i'd be very interested to see where where character creation goes right and, and again i think that's where you have the conversation before right you're like what kind of group do we want to build and mm-hmm. let's build something that makes narrative sense to us so that so we that don't have the weird thing and yeah. i think we need to look at the i need to look at the rules too because i know he they put this thing in like a level or something like a where you can jack up the different classes and so i think that's where we got the weirdness like you talked about is i think we had the space marine at like a level one level one and then we level had three. these other guys who were kind of level you know higher level characters or tiers tiers or, yeah. or something like that that's what he, he created that so so i like i mean it seems like he's got the pieces in the game to make it work um but like you said i, I agree the same way i think you narratively i would i don't know that i would ever do like a weird mixed party i think i would try and do something that in my mind makes more sense from a 40k like like i I think uh excuse me a squad of space marines like Mm -hmm. a tactical squad where you have your sergeant you have your weapon specialist you have two Mm -hmm. tactical marines apothecary right (laughs) i think that would be really cool i think a when i think of like the tanith first and only you know gaunts like you've got the scouts you've got an officer you've compartmentalizing that for a campaign i think would be really cool and i think the rules look really Mm -hmm. good for that uh i just i don't like the mix that's the only thing and it could have been the scenario it could have been the setup but it just it took me out of approaching it as a role-playing opportunity and experience and more into okay well how do i destroy the most stuff and right and it was kind of like hey we're taking the mechanics for a drive yeah and 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 there was a decent it was a fun kind of story in typical thai fashion i pushed the pedal to the metal and (laughs) It's like, oh, threw grenades around. Grenades. (laughs) Yep. And Josh was bleeding out. You took the most damage out of us. You were the one up and you're standing in front of the bullets. Yeah, I'm shooting my little flashlight. (laughs) Um, So, Wrath and Glory 40,000, Warhammer 40,000 role playing game, um, which released at at Gen Con. Um, Out there now in retail. um, Some some cool. uh, It'll be really interesting to see the first adventures see some of the other material because it looks like they have a lot of product at launch that'll that'll help um and the core book is really well done i mean uh i picked that up had ross watson sign it i know troy i think you got your copy yep um picked up there so um it's a beautiful book it's well well done uh cool system cool art it's good to see the the 40k um brand breathe alive and breathing again in a role-playing game all right, Josh. So I was going to oh. talk about the thing that made me not buy Witchborn. 
Oh, okay. Which was the um, Frostgrave. <laughs> so, like the next day, John and I ended up playing Frostgrave. So, if you're not familiar with that, that's Osprey Games. Um, and we'll talk more about them in a little bit. Um, <laughs> this is a rule set that came out, I think, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Skirmish miniature fantasy game. Uh, I think the idea is Frostgrave that city, there's like these old kind of abandoned cities that are kind of teeming with some monsters and magic and they're and but they're full of old treasure and stuff that people can get you have your war bands and so the game is like each player has their war band they created usually a wizard an apprentice and then you have some kind of henchmen that yeah and there's points values for how you build those people out in the rule book and again miniature agnostic i think there there are some miniatures that people have done aligned with the game uh, so I can't remember which company it is, but again, use your bones, use whatever you, you know, your older Alparthas, whatever you're going to do. And then you play, it really kind of, it's a D20 based skirmish rule, which just means really swingy, but it's one roll. One roll is everything. I hit damage, armor, everything is in the one roll, which is really cool. Um, is that really cool though? <laughs> it is really cool. Oh, it is it, for what that game is. It's it's. I think it makes it makes sense for how you want to do it. All right, because it is really the the really swingy part. It still means that you can you can come. You probably won't come back, but there are chances for the one guy can make some some real. You can have some really cool epic moments. And like at the end of the game we played, there was the one guy had an apprentice, and it was like, oh, you got. He's like got one shot to maybe cast the spell and then maybe take a shot and be able to use his, his leap ability to jump over and grab the treasure and try and run off before the other wizard blasts him. Right. So it, it, it is swingy. So there can be times when you're like, you just, your guy just gets obliterated. Right. Cause you roll a one and the other guy rolls a 20 and that's, you know, boom, your, your apprentice, your wizard. Gets so can you, can you tell us a little bit about John winning the game, but then, Oh, yeah. <laughs> just destroying your morale yeah so i had i had i was not doing i had fun i had a blast but i my guys kind of got whittled away and i think i had my one my wizard kind of hanging back just trying to stay alive it was like my only character i had left and john's not even his his like henchmen had grabbed some treasure and they're walking off the board because basically it's get treasure and walk off the board that's how you score um and and his one guy's like, oh, I'm just going to walk these guys up. Oh, no, wait. And he has like an archer. He's like, oh, I think I can see my wizard, you know, down the board. I'll just take a shot at the wizard before I walk off. And you're like, all right. Boom. I, of course, don't roll well. My wizard's <laughs> dead. That was like my last figure. I'm like, oh, thanks, John. You, you're like winning. And now I can't even play anymore because that was like my last. <laughs> thanks for taking the fun out of the last a half hour of the of the game and john gets the tie award for destroying fun at the table yeah <laughs> but i did have fun i did have a black and it was a it, it was a really fun game it was again me and john and i think there's two other players four players again we had the the author of the game was there and another guy it was run by osprey the terrain was awesome that always helps right really cool terrain they brought together um and those guys really put on a, a really nice game to to teach us and uh, and I already have the rules that so you can pick them up again. It's a little bit like Gaslands. You can pick up that book for I think twenty bucks, 
or pick it up on, yeah, on Amazon for $10. They've really done a good job expanding, too. There's Now there's yeah, the there's Ghost a- Archipelago. There's some additional splat books and <clears throat> setting stuff, rules, spells, um, factions. So they've expanded that, that line quite a bit. Yeah, and so it was a... I mean, I think this would be something where you could, for you know, a night, have people, you know, put a warband together and, and go for it. I, again... Like you were saying, Ty, I think it's nothing you want to get too serious about because it is. There's a lot of randomness to it because you are playing on a D20, and, and there is a lot of a swinging that can happen with it. But it was fun for a very much like fun scenario. I think it was three hours when we played, um, and kind of and really ran it to the end. That was you know got the the treasure out and again some and some interesting way to, another way to use those bones miniatures that are sitting, <laughs> sitting on your shelves that we all bought but nobody ever still ever in the packaging yet. right yeah. <laughs> all right so we did miss talking about it in our preview but when it comes to <laughs> dungeon diving and uh getting treasure tokens <laughs> and um you know doing the true dungeon thing you're you're our guy josh how how was it the true dungeon um so uh yeah, we, we we missed talking about it in the prep episode, but uh, they boosted the the price per ticket, um, and that sort of turned me off a little bit from playing. Um, the group, uh, the the not people here at the table, but um, uh, the other BOD folks. There was a handful of folks that still wanted to play, so because it, it really turned off Ty and I, it, right? Yeah, and it, I I was almost out as well. Um, I actually sold a bunch of my tokens, but anyway, um, yeah, so Elena and Matt and Mike and Marlon and, uh, some of Matt's coworkers and, and folks, uh, all still wanted to play. And so we got together on Thursday night and played, uh, they are, they actually shrunk it down to three, um, tracks and they are all unique now. So instead of doing, a combat versus puzzle version of two tracks. There's actually three unique tracks. So they reduce the count by one, but it's, you know, three unique instead of, you know, four where two, you know, two sets of two. Um, So are any of those, is like any of those like more combat focused than than puzzle focused? Are they all kind of the balance? They're all, yeah, they're all pretty balanced. Um, It's either, yeah, three combats and four puzzle rooms or four and three four and three or yeah um and i i guess there's an option where you can um decide ahead of time um whether you want it one Mm. versus the other but at least the the adventure we did was already chosen Mm. for us so um production value was better um there was quite a few really good puzzles um, you know, without spoiling too much, they, the sets were, you know, each room was really good. Um, the rooms were a little bit bigger. Um, they, there wasn't any feel bad combats. Um, I, that's been a struggle in the past where, you know, certain folks are just totally left out of combat. Three of us laid on the floor because right. we couldn't do anything. And yeah, like I didn't have any bad G and that was a case of a, a bad GM. Like they didn't do the room the way they were supposed to. I, this, this is a go around. Didn't have any bad GMs. Quick question. Yes, sir. Did you have any actual dungeon doors you got to open or was it still just hanging black linen sheets? So that's another thing that was, 
uh, that that was changed. So the transition rooms. So we were in um, kind of ethereal space. So the first room you went into, um, you're on this ledge, and they had um, kind of mirrors. So they, it was like kind of an edged, you know, like a, a jutty edge. So it, it felt like you were standing on kind of a platform looking off into the abyss and they had like colors on the walls and I mean it really looked pretty ethereal like for you know and and, and the ceilings were actually like it, I mean it looked like giant sheets of um, aluminum foil so like is reflecting all over the place and it I mean it was really cool and then they carried that on through all the transition rooms instead of being black sheets it was that ethereal look um, and they did it in kind of a smaller scale for um, for those transitions, but I, I mean, definitely looked cooler, and it, it definitely was more immersive. So um, production value was better. I don't know that it was you know twenty five percent or whatever the the jump was thirty percent better, but uh, I mean, they did use the money well. I think um, so. Um, I, I will still continue to play. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see if they carry that on at the smaller cons. So uh, I want to play at Gamehole Con and see the other. So the other two, the it's N1, N2, and N3, and then they have titles. I forget. But we played N1 at Gen Con, and N2 and N3 are at um, Gamehole Con. So I'm interested to see um, those uh, tracks as well. So, but yeah. Um, it was good. I I will play again, um, but still not the biggest fan. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, the changes turned me off a little, but they, I don't know. They're all right. All right. It's all right. So, true true so, dungeon. So uh, you might talk me into Game Hole Con. We'll see. All right. Yeah, and it is cheaper at Game Hole Con, too. It's back to the original price. So. If somebody buys me three drinks before it, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, true dungeon after three drinks. Right. Three drink minimum. <laughs> so Thursday night, <laughs> when we staked out our we our normal plan is we usually stake out one of the small conference rooms in the JW where we ended up staying. But Thursday night, we had kind of thrown down to play the other game by Offspring, Gaslands, with... So a, a whole group of people to, to set this up before the week before Gen Con, I got a message from Will on Discord, and he goes, "Hey man, can you bring Gasland stuff and get a game? Tony and I want to play Thursday night." So I was like, "Okay," and I, I know I had talked about it when we were recording, but nobody else really brought cars. I don't think. <laughs> so I threw two cars in the rules and the, the templates, um, and we we sat down with six players. Will had brought his two Fast and the Furious cars. Tony brought two cars, and I had two cars, so we were able to play six people. And um, <laughs> and the terrain, the the terrain was incredible considering was. our surroundings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the tablecloth uh, provided a dirt-like surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were bottle caps that were barrels round. Mm-hmm. Barrels around bottle caps around yeah there was an empty dice um a dice case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's an aos champions uh starter box mm-hmm. cardboard box and the dice in the dice case were the gates 
Yep. And they yep. flip to the correct number of gear. Use them for our hazard and gear mm-hmm. tokens. Mm-hmm. Or, um, let's see, what else? We had a water like bottle, a, bottle, a couple beer somewhere. bottles, yep. and maybe some like cellophane wrapper like terrain. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Maybe a napkin in there. Yeah. Something. So pretty epic how we set up the table, but then did a <laughs> six-player death race um, and got, a, as most Gaslands games with more than two players, from what I'm finding is they take forever and they're slow <laughs> and people get stuck in. So we only got through, I think, two full rounds um, and uh, shot each other up. Some Several collisions. Mayhem ensued for our, uh, our pretty... Ghetto Gaslands is where affectionately but it was, calling. I it. think it was fun. It was it was fun. I mean, for a Thursday night. Just yeah, and I mean, and, and it, I think it just kind of shows like Gaslands. We had templates, we had cars, and a table. We made it happen. Right? Yep. It was it was. Pretty and good. we we did. I have to give a shout out to to Will from Anvilate and his uh, his buddy Tony that we got to meet for performing honestly, word for word. The entire Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise, <laughs> yeah. uh, in quotes, throughout throughout yes. the game. Yes. So, thank you guys. That was uh, rather incredible. How you've memorized that entire franchise? It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what was fun? We did play IROC rules. So IROC, the International Race of Champions. If people don't know what that is, yeah. so we basically yeah, you just, said that I had no clue. Yeah. I was like, "What, you guys?" I knew what it was. Yeah, you people, NASCAR, please. Um, hmm. So we just said everybody has the same car. Like, here's what here's what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what was funny is like we didn't have the actual sheets with our cars. Everybody just because we all we, knew we, just, that, we knew we had eight hull points, points we had right. handling a four, yeah, and we had home. a three dice. It just made it easier. Yeah, though. made it easy, and everybody and I. Yeah. I think the one thing on the game that we that still kind of it, like collisions seem to be the thing that really kind of slow things down, right? I mean, movement is to it, but it feels like that's where the game kind of gets bogged down with a lot of with a lot of people. You have more collisions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels like the one thing that either we haven't memorized those tables is <laughs> yet, where we can kind of just we always have we still have to reference things. Um, but that seems to be the one kind of mechanic that takes a little bit when we get these big multiplayer games. But and speaking of Gasland, so I was going to say that was the primer for your big <laughs> that uh, was yeah your big event. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Ty got uh, a ticket to the Gaslands tournament, um, the the qualifier, and he was like, you know what, I'm kind of burned out. I he I think you played a couple RPGs that day, and yeah, I was in a Starfinder game that ran an hour pass. So oh okay cool. Um, so he's like, hey, take my ticket. And I'm like, cool, yeah, sounds good. Um, and so I got there a little early and just kind of feeling them out. And, uh, the organizer was definitely like, Hey, this is going to be a little rough. We're trying to figure this out, um, because we want to hold a bigger tournament next year. Um, so they actually brought matchbox cars and little guns and glue and like you could create your own. If you brought your own, great. But they were like, Hey, you know, you get to take these home. So go nuts and i was like oh, if we get to take it home sure like i tied said you know use my cars if you want to and i was like well if i get to take home some cars you know i'll take home my cars so um yeah it was i played on a table with a father son and the son's friend so it was like you know three people that knew each other and then me so 
Um, and they didn't know the rules as well. The, the, the son knew the rules pretty well. And he nitro boosted a buggy early and got out to an early lead. Um, but the other two didn't know the rules super well. So I was kind of help kind of coaching them a little bit. And, um, uh, yeah, so I wasn't playing very cutthroat. I probably should have, you know, played a little more aggressive, but they were new to the game and I wanted to make sure they had a fun time. So, um, and actually at one point the, the son's friend was going to do something like he was going to cut me off with his second car and kind of totally screw both of my cars. And I was like, all right, I just want to let you know, if you do that, I'm not helping you anymore. You're on your own. You're, you're going to be a big boy now. And, and he was like, yeah, so actually, uh, I'm going to go straight here. <laughs> he hadn't picked his tile yet and, or his, uh, yeah. And he was talking about, uh, yeah, totally cutting me off and, yeah, so it is funny, but um, yeah. So the the son won. He nitro boosted and was way ahead of everybody else. And I had not, I hadn't even thought about bringing a nitro. I, I was just gonna try to get a buggy out in front and start shooting people. But yeah, he he was smarter than me. So <laughs> so yeah, Gaslands. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves into you know truly a matched play, competitive play type environment. I think there's there's definitely some things they need the FAQ and standards they need the set to get there, um, and I, I think first and foremost bases for the, right. the cars. So movement isn't a question, um, but that's just you know the the tournament player in me that looks at a rule set and sees plenty of spaces in the, in that rule book where they could tighten things up, change the wording, yep. lim- put some limitations in play to to make a truly balanced competitive play because you get pole position and you have a car like that it's right and that's exactly what happened it's game over i mean uh, in that in a a truly like competitive tournament shouldn't be the case um there should be a a catch-up mechanic or some way to account for that but that's cool i'm glad the ticket went to use um and while you were doing that i was running uh in a starfinder game it was the debut of san hollow <laughs> my uh my envoy uh level one starfinder society character that gabe uh and his buddy hayden helped me help me create so kind of cool um gabe and his uh his group from st louis had met this gm a few several years ago at gen con and uh he was a pathfinder society gm that was thinking about not doing gen con anymore just kind of hanging up his spurs so to speak and Gabe's group ran a game with him, and they had a blast. And now they play every year at Gen Con. They do a game with him. Uh, they try to, you know, Pathfinder Society and Starfinder Society, you have, like, a rally point. So you go and your GMs get assigned to your groups. So they always sync up with this guy, Eric. Um, and we, we played in, it was like, go investigate a dig site, see what's happening. Uh, so we were doing a little research, and there was an ancient alien race that was, like, interfering. So there was some combat. Um but it was fun. It was it was uh, interesting. My first time playing Starfinder, so ultimately it's Pathfinder in space uh, from a D twenty you know skill modifier rule set. I won't go into the boring details of that. But um, <laughs> character levels one to four. Uh, when you're done, you get like your character progresses. So um, I'll be able to play San Hollow at future Starfinder events because I survived, got some experience um, at the end. Uh, 
Stephanie, so Hayden's wife, Stephanie gave me her token. So I had two tokens I could take to the table to roll. I rolled a 19. So I got a boon for my character that I can give him and uh, some products. So I picked up like their combat encounter tracker, the magnetic board um, and encounter sheets. So that was, that was pretty cool. It was a good time. Fun to play another system. Uh, now I just need Gabe uh, to get get on the horse and start up the Roll20 uh, Starfinder game. So ready to go. I've got a character. I know how it works. So we just want to say to uh, Disney, right, that Sal Hollow is any resemblance to other characters living or dead is probably coincidental. Sal Hollow is, yeah. I mean, he's a galactic superstar. He's an icon uh, background. So... I did not give him improved initiative, so he always shoots first. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have roguish, charming, high charisma score to talk his way out of problems. He is not at all based on Han Solo yeah. uh, from Star Wars. The name is just yeah. San Hollow. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure, just in case Disney listens. Yeah, it, it Creative Commons license. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they do listen. All right, Troy. An oldie but a goodie, now a new board game. Resident Evil. Resident Evil. So John and I got to play um, Resident Evil, the board game. Uh, this is the Kickstarter that is out. So we got to play a pre-production version from um, Steamforged Game, Steamforged Games, which is the guys who do uh, Guild Ball. And I, I was going into it just I had saw the Kickstarter and I wasn't going to jump in on yet another miniature board game Kickstarter with zombies. That <laughs> <laughs> seems like that. It's a very well tracked area. But when I saw that they were running these demos at Gen Con, it, we were able to get some tickets and run it. And John and I had a blast. It, I, the game. I, we one part is we love Resident Evil. I mean, mm-hmm. having those characters. Um, you know Claire and Ava and Leon and all these guys that you've played with for years and years and years had a really good the the game mechanics were really solid a lot of fun felt like you were kind of on the edge of you know it was hard to kill zombies a lot of times you're gone like there's a big mechanic where if you have like a pistol most of the time if you're shooting the zombie all you're doing is like keeping the zombie from attacking you you're not actually killing it just kind of pushing it You're back. Pushing it back. Yeah, there's like a pushback <laughs> mechanic when with the and then if you get lucky on the dice, so it's like a one in six chance that you actually get the kill. Other cha- other times you're just there if you just have like a pistol. If you have a, a bigger, there's a couple other bigger weapons in the game where you can have a better chance to kill. And but so really fun mechanic, fun scenario that they. This is a special scenario that was only that run at Gen Con. It's similar to one I think that's one of the six that are in the board game. They said, but it's, it's a, was a, and they gave us actually the, that, that scenario. Um, so I, I, would I, will I buy it? I don't, I still don't know. Um, I think the mechanics are solid where I think it might be a little fragile is the actual scenarios themselves. I, I don't know if you, I don't know how much expandability there is past kind of the games, the scenarios they play. Cause it seems like you really have to have the scenario kind of well balanced for it to, to work out. We ended up losing in the last room purely on kind of luck and what we rolled for what mods what zombies and monsters ended up in that last room we would have not rolled like a really bad one we probably would have had it so a lot of fun and then there's this also a mechanic where um you kind of take your turns and then there's a a a card you kind of turn over for different events 
And as you, if that event deck ever goes empty, you lose besides any other thing. So it creates the kind of this tension about running out of time because then there's different spots. Again, again, this is where they kind of had the video game thing. So there's kind of like typewriter icons different on the board in a couple different places, two or three. Like save points. Save points, right. And that resets that deck. So you have to kind of be watching like, oh, is somebody near one of those things? What are we down to? How many cards left? Uh, and then make a jump. And then again, and there's a few cards in there that all of a sudden will make you draw an extra card. You know, see, even if you think you're always taking a little bit of chance to when you do it. And then if you, you kind of want to push it because if you, there's finite numbers of those resets. So if you, you want to run the deck down before you reset so that you don't do it. So we, yeah. So we ended up losing because we were dying and then we ran out the deck at the end because we left it there. But I, I, it's interesting. I think if you really like Resident Evil, I think it really it's it's not you know it's much more in depth kind of than like a zombie side or anything else like that. It has a much different feel. I really like the mechanics. I'm not. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure Steam Forged and their component quality. Mm, I think well, I, I'd want to so, see it. Yeah, some of their stuff's really good. Guild Ball has some really good models. They also have some uh, spindly Dark, models. Dark Souls has some good stuff. The yeah. Dark Souls game they did. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd look at dark. I, what I would do is probably look at Dark Souls and get a good feel for like, are you are you happy with what they did there? Because I, yeah, it, again, just I, it's hard to know. We, we had some you know pre production stuff, but the miniatures weren't anything to write home about. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, compared to like the Simon stuff that you're kind of used to. So, yeah, I, I, it's really it. Again, if this hits retail and maybe it's the price points right, I, I it was a lot of fun. It was. It really exceeded my expectations from just the gameplay. So I think I kind of I think Steamforge kind of showed that they really kind of tuned this, and it had a real feel for what you know, like you had for Zombie Side. And again, it was fun. We played with a father and son on the other side, so it was it was a blast. And early in the game, the son could not like had hot dice, like could not miss. I think he was playing Claire too, and she yeah could not miss killing every zombie left and right that she had no right to. And of course, then towards the end of the game, the dice came back and <laughs> wasn't quite as hot and towards the end of the game, but he, he did good. So, um, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I'm not, I think we're still probably almost a year out maybe from it though. Um, I don't know when it's going to release. They, they didn't have, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be this year and maybe early next year, or maybe even end up being, you know, con season next year before we, before we see the production cool. version, but Pretty cool. Resident Evil 2 board game. All right. So, um, Troy, I'm going to segue into our next one by asking you for... Um, I'm going to ask you a question. I need mm-hmm. I need an answer on this. I need the name of a town and state where our adventure takes place. Um, Wausau, Wisconsin. Wausau, Wisconsin. Josh, what is the industry um, that our location is best known for? Um... Uh, paper mill paper mill okay um and and then we would go on to talk about what our town is famous infamous Mm -hmm. the the structure in it the economics local organizations you know where's the real power um and that's how we would start building the town that we play kids on bikes in Mm -hmm. so josh and i had a chance to sit down and play um kids on bikes um the new role-playing game from Jonathan Gilmore and Doug Lewandowski, uh, put out by Renegade, published by Hunter's, uh, Hunter's Books. Um, and it started like that. The, the GM really asked us to build the town, so we went around the table. I think there were five of us. It looked like a group of three guys that knew each other, then Josh and I. Um, we ended up playing in Baraboo, Minnesota. 
a, a <laughs> logging town on the on the decline somewhere in the 1980s um and then you build your character from an archetype and relationships to other characters so it had a very fiasco feeling to crafting connections and understanding who's who and what where you are uh, up front in a very simple mechanic um your ability, your attributes are a D4 to a D20. D20 being the best. Um, D4 being you're terrible in that skill. And then there were ranges of success. You know, if you were 10 or better, higher than the target number, it was a narrative success where you could describe exactly how great it was. If it was 5 to 9, less so, 1 to 5, you still succeed, but in a way that's complicated, adds complication. And we built the town up. Uh, well, it was like, a logging town that was on the decline where the Elks Club was the power players. And then you name some rumors about the town. And then the GM really takes it from there and gave us an adventure that took us out to an old lumber mill where screams were heard the third Friday of every month. That was the rumor. <laughs> and come to find out, it's like a missile silo in the middle of this island out in the lake that the hydraulic system is whining and screeching. Yeah, like, like every, third, every-, every third Friday it was like trying to activate yeah. or something. Yeah. Oh. So it was, it was cool. Like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, what are we gonna? Are we gonna fight up against something or whatever? No, it's just you know. But I mean, <laughs> and it's all that build up to to that, right? It, yeah. it was kind of cool. Um, it, and it definitely had that feel of Stranger Things or you know Goonies or you know like that that 80s kind of vibe. Um, definitely, definitely cool. Like I, I could get behind uh, playing that every once in a while. For yeah, sure. it, it it strikes me as as something you need to immerse yourself in. You need to mm-hmm. take. I mean, and it, it brings up some challenging role playing um, to play as a twelve year old and get into that mindset. Um, and then one of the archetypes, uh, you know, I ended up being an adult, just pre generated mm-hmm. character. So I was like a teacher at the high school uh, who had a drinking problem. So. I'd passed out in the back of the car. The GM said when the boys went and stole my car to drive out to the lumber mill because they couldn't get their own bikes or something. So, uh, you know, it just it brings up some challenging role playing when you're doing any kind of improvisational storytelling like that. Um, and and I think the game would live and die with the skill of your game master mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. continue to to build that that narrative and the mystery and the surprise. Cause you get a few things to work with, but you don't get a lot, you know, up front. Right. it's not like a published adventure where you, I'm sure they'll do that eventually yeah. perhaps, but it's every time you play, it's a different story, a different idea yeah. and taking the rumors that the group gives you and turning yeah. it into uh, a plot and a story. You'd, you would need a, a GM with a talent for improvisation. Right. Yeah. yeah he's doing it, it on the fly. Yeah. And it sounds a little bit, yeah, very indie RPG, right? Yeah. You know, the the yeah. stuff that we've seen, like you said, fiasco and other things that, that were the indie RPG where, yeah, you're, the group is kind of building the story and then you need a GM that can kind of take those pieces that you've, they've just been given and, and kind of craft the story and, and move a plot along yeah, and the, there. So. The, in, in the guy that we had, Daniel uh, was his name. Was very good. He he fed into what our group was doing. We had we had a fun group. I mean that mm-hmm. that helped too, as everyone was you know playing up their yep. their character archetype and um, you know trying to role play as kids yeah. and it was it was a good time. Uh, it cool game. I ended up picking up the deluxe edition. Um, the character folio is like a an, a school folder from mm-hmm. like the eighties. It's like that texture and everything, and it's like a player guy like a GM screen, but for the player. 
Um, and then I picked up the dice, and they have a supernatural powers deck. So if you want to give your characters like mm-hmm. eleven from Stranger Things some type <laughs> of powers, they have cards that you can draw that give your character something unique, mm-hmm. a superpower in essence. So, um, so and, and well, discussing the, the the quality of the GM, right? Uh, so Daniel um talking to him afterwards uh this was his first con uh gming experience and he did an excellent job so um kudos to him just wanted to mention that so do you would this do you think it would it always kind of be a one shot kind of deal or do you think like you could have characters and then maybe do a couple different like you pull them you pull them off the shelf and do another adventure. I haven't, with that I haven't read like the experience or leveling up. Mm. If there's if there's any of that, I, I don't know. Mm. I just haven't read the the book in its entirety. I think you could do a campaign. Mm. Um, I I think it it really depends on the the interest of your characters. Mm. How how deep do you want to dig into a town, a setting, the rumors? Like mm. how I I think of. Goonies. There was one thing going on. Once they got there, that that was it. Stranger Things, there's more, but they're going a little deeper than just Hastings, Michigan. You know, it's... um, It's going to be interesting. It feels like it could support like a series of linked adventures, maybe not even a campaign. Like, it's hard to even call it a campaign. Yeah, like three or four or something. Yeah. 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 And and I think, once again, it all comes down to the interest of the group. How, How... deep do they build out this town and how much is there in the town or the surrounding area because the central concept is it has to be a small town where you can cross it on a bicycle in an hour you know so you're, you're talking population five to ten thousand like not not a big community um and certainly there's some variance and things you could do do with it but cool rule set um pretty easy to pick up very easy uh skill resolution i mean roll the dice that your attribute is to describe how you succeed so a very narrative driven um game cool enjoyable though it's a good event yeah very fun then speaking of amazing improvisational skills and the the best game master in the world that i've had the pleasure of playing with (laughs) we uh josh and i had tickets for Outbreak Undead custom scenario with Ivan Van Norman. Ivan being one of the lead designers, developers um, on Outbreak Undead, uh, GMing on Geek and Sundry's um, Project Alpha. Uh, I think it's Project Alpha, mm-hmm. right? They're uh, kind of subscription-driven uh, streaming channel. Uh, he has We're Alive Frontier Season 1, and then Season 2 is coming uh, very soon. Um. So Ivan's custom game, we, we were in this back corner room of the second floor of the Hyatt. We walk in, uh, seated at the table is this guy that we we meet and talk to. Josh leaves like, get some water. Meanwhile, in comes the guy, Ross, that we played with in a couple, <laughs> I played with in a couple games the last few years. Yep. Uh, and I, I remember and, playing with him as well, yeah. Yep. Um, he, uh, he rips on me for getting the boat ready. Uh, <laughs> And then we listen, wait. Listen to last year. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, Ivan walks in and recognizes, uh, you know, like it was like a reunion because yep. we had all played in his games. And um, so that that was pretty cool in of itself. Vecna visited us um, yeah. while we were there. That's right. Vecna had come and uh, had a photo op with Ivan. 
a costume designer from LA that Ivan knows was uh, Vecna, the Lich Lord, had an eye that glue pretty crazily, had a hand that he wore like white over, so it looked like the hand was missing when he took photographs. Then with him, he had another like Lich holding the hand like on a tome and a, a black knight, like a guy in black armor uh, with him. So that, that was also just a cool little cameo from Vecna, the, uh, the Lich. Um, and then we dove in. Uh, spent a little time on character creation, not too long, you know, didn't fully develop it, but spent our gestalt, got some points, and dove into the scenario. Um, I mean, a comet hit the Pacific Ocean that raised this fog, this mist into the air that obliterated life on, on at least in America. We don't know what happened outside of the U.S., but everything, plant life, animal life, humanity, gone and this fog just stays there that's toxic to breathe mm-hmm. as you breathe it it tears you apart from the inside out and you become this lifeless like screamer you just are crazy lose all sense of you go fog mad um so this is a world ivan's created that he he ran at pax he said and he did it here we were in a was it a uh, old like missile installation? Yeah, it's like a missile bunker, South, yeah. Southern Illinois, like outside mm-hmm. Champaign. Mm-hmm. And you know, five hundred people in it. We had roles. We kind of set where we were. It took place a couple months after the outbreak, the incident. So like the machine, the air scrubbers, and the fuses were going bad. Everything was burning out. So we the, the whole mission was go out, find replacements. Yeah, and. So yeah, we're we're tooling around trying to find some stuff. There's a, a military base not too far away, so that's, that's where we're heading. And it, you know, things ensue, and we end Stop up at a train. Yeah, we end up finding this train, and um, it, it's just like forever long. And there's just box cars and tanker cars, and we find this one car. One one of the first ones is just full of boxes of of chili so <laughs> so and and you know food is low so we're like okay let's, let's grab the chili and head back and um i think we flipped the car and uh, so so that came later like the oh that's flip. right yeah yeah so outbreak undead has a depletion mechanic and this is what this wasn't zombies everywhere outbreak okay. this was like scenario and environment is deadly mm-hmm. and that was the tension the driving tension was you have limited time to get out, get what you need, and get back. So the depletion mechanic, every unit of time, you roll a depletion die. As you acquire, as you accrue depletion points, you're rolling more dice, trying to roll underneath a depletion level. So our hazmat suits had a depletion of 20. When you're rolling a D6, you know, any 6 explodes, counts as a 5. So you assume you're good up until about 3 or 4, and then it... At four, it starts getting risky when that's going to go go south. So we had a spare box of filters for hazmat suits. And we're out exploring this train, taking way too much time. Mm-hmm. Like, just taking way too much time. Slowly going forward, unloading, knowing that we're just on the clock. One of the first suits goes, replace it. One depletion point, you know, one dice for the ten depletion point spare filters. Second one goes third one goes i'm sitting on six depletion points on my hazmat suit so i'm rolling six six-sided dice trying to roll under a 20 <laughs> and any six explodes so another unit at a time we're into the car we're headed back it goes though 
I, I my filter's gone. Like as we're pulling up, yeah. like it, it, I mean, like we got in in the car and it was like driving. So Evan takes me into the hall, explains what happened, you know, fog madness, describes it to the group, and I tell him off camera, you know, out in the hallway. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm gonna try to off myself. He goes, you're gonna have to roll composure yeah. and make it do, but you'll have a moment to do that. If you fail composure, though, you're turning yeah. and you're gonna hurt your friends. Come back into the room. Ross is trying to hold his breath and give me his filter. I'm already infected. So I'm like pushing his arm away and I pull out the gun and pow, you know, I make ace my composure. I rolled like a four or something. So blows out the back of the hazmat suit, covers the boxes of chili and my brain matter. And then the guys pull up to the installation. Like, yeah, we're like right there. And, and he, he like describes it in this epic way, yeah. right? So everything, you know, any, any kind of major events and things, he's he's describing in, in epic fashion, uh, which is it's just excellent. So, so they they go back in. One of the leaders of the community yells at him. It's just raging that, and everyone's like upset. Like there's this shock and there's this palpable tension in the room that my character just died, I which was it. really cool for yeah. like a con game to. Yeah. Mm-hmm to to have that like moment and they have to go back out and they go out to the military base and run because the filters are still bad we still need to get to the filters but we we wasted a bunch of time on the train botch their search rolls so bad Ivan has them describe them scat like separating going their own ways so now the party's split josh has the box of spare filters we we didn't think to divvy up the filters before we yeah so ross there goes his filter depletion ivan describes what happens he he ends up like his narrative ross said i see ty i see like him turn a corner and i follow him and i take my mask off so ross like just goes goes crazy being alone and in the dark other dude uh is it jason i think yeah is is walking the fence line of the military base when his filter goes and josh is standing there with the box like Dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and I even called it shortly thereafter. We ran out of time. I was dead for the last like hour, hour. but just like enjoyed sitting there. And Josh mm-hmm. just is alive with his box of filters. Get the whole box, yeah. Well and it was in a it was like in a bag. Um and I just happened to be carrying the bag. Like it it was just one of those situations. So But super I mean, just talk about an amazing role playing experience. Um I, I tend to take a lot away from Ivan from game mastering standpoint, like just tips and tricks and things he does that, um, you know, it becomes an experience uh, in education and storytelling, really, which is it's pretty fantastic. So that was that was one of the last events. I think that was Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, just an absolute blast. Can't, can't like, yeah. that's yeah. what makes Gen Con amazing for me is the chances to play in games yeah. like that and i didn't have any dud events this year i mean sometimes you get a one of the a ticket events and it's like you get a whatever you know you get an average or some par experience yeah. but I, I everything i played and i had a blast and uh um yeah and stuff i took away and i think excellent all right so events now this is going to be more of like a rapid fire mm-hmm. we're just going to name a few things that we saw that was that was really cool um Troy, you want to start it off? Sure. The most one of the most awesome things was the art show, and Elena, being one of the featured artists, uh, had a massive booth uh, with uh, Mark Poole and I can't remember the other gentleman's Scott name. Murphy. I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it was cool to see that. I mean, tons of people at her booth all the time. She uh, killed it. Just a yeah. great show again. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. And, and I always enjoyed walking. We, John and I walked the whole art show, I think, on Saturday and saw stuff. Although I always feel there's the author role. And I'm always like, you can't really like, I'm not going to read your book. But I don't know. I tried to be nice. And then I got, I got pitched by about half a dozen or more authors of like, <laughs> what do you like to read? And here's my book. And it's about some fantasy people and they want to kill stuff and ever or a sci-fi person (laughs) (laughs) whatever i liked it tended to be what they had a book that was in my genre so i don't know they're fun and it's good i imagine it's can be long days for the people that are trying to shell their their books and wares there so but but and again tons of amazing art too that's just really cool to see so for sure Definitely. Um, so Thursday morning, Josh and I were walking. Uh, uh, Travis. <laughs> so we were walking back to um, Portal Games and happened to go by the Board Game Geek uh, studio booth because they were shooting video there the whole time. And Rodney was sitting down. Rodney uh, from Watch It Played was sitting at a table, getting re- clearly getting ready to like go on air, but not yet recording. Yeah, he's like, like looking at something on his like phone. We lean over around the, the, the little wall and we're like, Rodney, Rodney. Hey, Rodney. Hey, good morning. And he goes, hey, guys. Have a good Gen Con. <laughs> and we were just like, you know, you've taught us to play so many games. We love you. You know, whatever. And he's like, oh, thanks. You know, super nice. Like, totally, you know. Totally Canadian? Yeah. yeah. Totally yeah. Canadian. Yeah. Totally Canadian. Oh, Canadian but yeah, we kind of nerded out on Rodney, and he was super nice yeah, about yeah. it. I don't know who the... This would be a tough competition. The friendliest Canadian between him and Terrace from Geek Nation. Oh, yes. oh yeah. That would be Because I saw Terrace on Sunday, too, and just chatting with yeah. him, like... He's so nice, yep. dude. Just such a great dude. Yep. Um, but yeah, so we had our, our Rodney sighting on on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Renegade Game, or sorry, on uh, Ulysses, Ulysses, Wrath and Glory, Wrath and Glory, Ross Watson. It was really cool. He was just hanging. In he the was booth. at the booth, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think I think half people didn't like know who it was. Well, I'm his like, badge says William <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Watson yeah. too. Yeah. So you have to understand Ross is his middle and name, I think. Yeah. So it's a little deceiving. Right. Like, and I'm like, because oh, I yeah, like, yeah. picked up my book and I'm like, I'm going to go have Ross sign it since he's just kind of standing around the booth. And, <laughs> and I got to just chat with him for a little bit. So yeah, was, I, I did the same thing. That was cool. Uh, we talked about Ivan. Uh, I got to play with Ivan. Ivan signed my character sheet when I died and then had him sign my book. Um, uh, and at the Renegade booth uh, throughout the weekend, saw him a few times. And then Chris... Um, uh, De La Rosa, the lead designer, kind of founder of Hunter's mm-hmm. Books, was there, and he he signed the Survivor's Guide as well. So I had the same thing. Yep, he was hanging around Renegade when I picked up my book, and I, I ran kind of like, "Hey, Chris!" And it was cool because he recognized me from. He's like, "Hey, I remember you from your from playing in your because we played with him in a couple we of played, years uh, past." Deep Space, so, and, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So again, great guy to chant. and really, yeah, yeah. Right now, he's kind of the the main brain behind outbreak undead and, mm-hmm. and all stuff coming out there. So, uh, Troy, you got a selfie with a celebrity. I did. Joe Mangala Manganello. If I say it right. Um, El seed from true blood. He, he was hanging out with Margaret Weiss, uh, in her booth, uh, selling his, uh, clothing line that he's been also Death on saves, Death yeah. saves that he's been on every network television thing. Also pushing out. Um, but it was cool because like, I walked by and I'm like, hold it. And he like, was walking. And I'm like, hold it. There's Joe. And then I ended up um, kind of walking back through the 
the hall and happened to run into him and it was the hall was closing and i just kind of grabbed him quick and again totally nice guy just said hey joe can we grab a picture cool and kind of talked off so that was cool it also went over really well with the wives to have that picture so (laughs) (laughs) who uh who got to sit down and check out gen 7 uh i checked out gen 7 so that's at the plaid hat plaid hat so this seems to be like the we'll call it the spiritual successor to uh it's it's used as the crossroads the crossroads uh, mechanic mechanic and it's their next game yeah for now i can't remember the game what's the uh so it's it's from Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter, yeah, kind of, but, but but much different. Much different. Yeah. Just the the only common bond is that your your crossroads, the yeah, uh, story driven survival so on survival. a so it, space station. Yeah, so I think there's a little bit. It definitely felt like um, Dead of Winter. You're, you're Dead trying, of Winter. Sorry, I keep yeah, blanking out on Dead of Winter. I keep going keep, Walking Dead. I'm going like Walking. You're dead. trying to keep your systems yeah. up, yeah. though. You're each responsible for different yeah. areas of the space station. So yeah. similar to the colony where you're cleaning, you're doing things. Yeah, so lot, different mechanics. It, it seems like there's similarities. Different mechanics. Um, I talked to one. I think it was one of the designers or guys there, um, and he's saying based not a trade. There's no trader mechanic, um, and it's more of a there's a legacy style to it. So a campaign where you're going to play. I think he said seven, something like that. Seven games that you that you'd play to kind of keep the ship alive and something like that. So. I looked really, really cool. Um, I mean, I don't usually get super excited about legacy um, kind of games, but this seemed like because it's kind of like we like Dead of Winter so much, and it, there's this seems like a little bit of a spiritual successor to that. And we, the, the crossroad cards are always so good to kind of add that narrative and really decision making stuff. So, and again, on this too, I think we're probably a year out from this thing releasing i mean you know it's probably going to be gen con next year maybe earlier in the year next year they he was very uncommittal the guy i was talking to about (laughs) about when it was going to release so yeah more more than likely it'll be for sale gen con next year yeah so but it looks really cool it was one of the few games that i was really kind of excited about that again resonated well this one i'm probably much more excited about in terms of probably definitely buying this in some form when it shows up cool um, I demoed a game called Drawing Dead with um, Matthew and Nathan. Um, it was kickstarted, or it was it uh, Kickstarter from 2016 by Gold Baby Games. Um, but yeah, they were there, uh, and we just happened to kind of stop and say, "Oh, hey, what's this game?" It's basically you're trying to make the best poker hand you can, um, and if you make a good poker if you're if you're the leader i guess of the table you get the button and if it makes it around once um back to you and you still are the leader or you have the best hand on the table um you get the pot um and the the interesting little twist is um there are like character cards i forget exactly what they call them um but they do different things so you can you know, uh, make somebody pick up their hand, you know, part of their hand. Uh, you have to pay a coin to put down a card. So, you know, if you wanted to put down four cards, you put on, pay four coins into the pot. Um, you can make people pick up cards. You can make people discard cards. Um, there's one that allows you to draw a whole bunch of cards, or there's one that allows you to steal half the pot. And the goal is to get, um, I think it's 40 or 50 coins, um, and you win. Um, and you can play as many rounds as it takes to get, you know, for somebody to get to that point. Um, 
I thought, you know, looking at it face value, I was like, oh, it's just some random poker game, whatever. It actually was really fun. You know, all the character cards kind of added an element to it. You know, having to pay to play your cards down added something to it. And kind of knowing how Matt plays these types of games <laughs> was sort of fun because you knew he was going to try to screw everybody, you know. So, um, fun game. Uh, and it's... It you know it's, it's one of those gateway type games you know if you're if you have a friend that's interested in poker you know this can kind of draw them in because it adds a little flavor to just a normal poker game so yeah definitely fun cool. um, along the same lines of demos not yet for sale it'll be out at Essen is Orbis uh, Space Cowboys um, in the Asmodee family um, you're drawing tiles that are like islands or terrain to build your kingdom and there's um color like cubes that as you take one and place it you have to put cubes on other areas and pay for it so it has that element of splendor where you're trying to build along colors and build up your kingdom your island in a way that um you can pay for them with the influence or whatever that the squares the cubes represent um, looks looks really good. Looks like it kind of takes Splendor to the next level. I don't know if it's the same designer. I'll have to research, but it'll be for sale at Essen. Um, I might even try to pick that up. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if I can. Looks really good. I like what Space Cowboys does. So that, that's a game that's on the horizon that I'd encourage everyone to check out. Speaking of games on the horizon that I'm encouraging everyone to check out, I think you and I both picked up, uh, which now has been changed drastically <laughs> yep. already but uh anvil 8 had the beta rules printed in a soft cover um book for the ethereum role-playing mm-hmm. game uh which they hope to have next year at gen con um so cool to flip through some interesting yep. ideas and concepts in that game uh kind of seeing it along the creation process has been fun right. the different renditions and following gen con aaron already has like drastically edited uh, the document so yeah. that's a collector's item now yeah and yeah you know, will is like here you can read this but it's out of date probably tomorrow <laughs> but it's so, yeah really cool i'm really excited for the and it's just yeah it's been fun to kind of see how it's come along because we've played that and we want to call it alpha version right we play we've been playing the pre-alpha pre pre yeah. pre yeah. versions as they come along and and see, yeah, see it develop is is really cool, and and even for a beta book, there's some there's, yeah, that's yeah, really I mean, it's the, really cool. The I advantage guess. they have is having done all the faction books <clears throat> and the Ethereum uh, core, they've got a world built uh, for the most part. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of things they can interject. A lot of artists they've already commissioned and own own the rights to a bunch of art. So, all right. Let's talk about what we bought. This is going to be like machine gun style. Yep. Top three things um, that I took back. I picked up Detective. Super happy I got mm-hmm. that. Uh, started the first case, having a blast just digging into that. Um, I bought Reef, talked about that. And then I picked up all four starter factions for AOS Champions and a box of booster packs, which have already been opened and consumed. <laughs> I also bought AOS Champions, uh, all four factions and the and the booster box. And Ty and I opened those uh, last night on <laughs> on a Google Hangout mm-hmm. uh, or Discord or whatever. Uh, the shipping crates I talked about in the hobby section, and I went over to Elena's booth and I bought the Alpine Moon and Dragon Skull Summit 
uh, play mats because I'm a nerd and I want to support Elena and they are friggin' awesome. Um, and I like play mats. Cool. I had picked up my little scythe, which we had talked about and the new downforce expansion. I'm excited. To, I love racing games. It's fun to, to break out, uh, going to break out downforce. And then kind of my surprise is I was walking. I don't know where we were Sunday walking by is the dead of winter comic book the guy and it was the author and the artist were both there and so they i got that and signed it so that was this kind of like cool wasn't even on my kind of on the list or whatever it was, was this really cool jim, for, jim zub or yeah I, yeah i don't remember but it was really it was just kind of cool to like you know that was that sunday afternoon yep. morning walk through grab this the ran, all random thing and do that so that was kind of cool so that and a bunch of our other RPG games, but yeah. <laughs> All right, and then uh, also just quick kind of recap: what was kind of the the favorite meal or two? Uh, we're not going to go through. I ate this for breakfast, then I had a protein bar, then I went here for lunch. <laughs> but um, Troy, what uh, what was kind of wow. stood out for you? I mean, I have to go to our our secret Saturday. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I mean, it was Saturday late we're like all hungry tired because i think you guys had played with ivan right yep, yep. and everything everybody's out busy we tried a couple places and then again neil from work neil had from given work. had given me a tip on a on a i don't even know if we should how much we should even talk about there's it. a pizza place that's in an alley somewhere <laughs> in downtown indianapolis that might be too much no nope. these people are smart that's it. i don't know that's it that's all we'll say yeah. that might be named pearl street pizzeria yeah. <laughs> but if it were it wasn't, you know, very good. I mean, pizza was terrible. It was and it was just, super packed. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Crowded. So Beer was flat and tasted like badness. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't have, like, just walked in and got a table either. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Or crushed out three large pizzas. Yeah. I, yeah we did do an epic. <laughs> we did do an epic. Uh, I don't know. We were. We are definitely. Our eyes are bigger than our. Although I shouldn't say. Because we, 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 did we didn't really left. We, yeah. We did really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did good. Um. Another kind of cool moment was walking into the Ram with uh, John and Troy Weiss. Uh, there was an hour wait for tables. They walk into the bar. There's like four empty booths, and we sit down. I'm like, "Are you sure we can do this?" this Ty's like, like freaked out. Like the rules. Ty, like, I guess he had never really gone gone with us over the years because again, we talk about this all the time and do it. And Ty's like, "Really? Like, like yes, we do this all the time. We walk in, go to the bar." Sit down and eat. Yeah, it, it felt. It feels like you're cheating. It really does. Yeah, it feels, and the waitress there was amazing. That was one of the best yeah. wait staff we had. I mean, we had good I, good wait staff again. Like in Indianapolis, it seems like all the restaurants really way better than any restaurant in Milwaukee would ever treat you <laughs> if you were drunk on a I mean, you can't trust any service industry in Milwaukee. A terrible place for a convention. Um, I did the Cladog for lunch on Thursday. Josh ended up coming by as I was finishing up. Had a beer with me. And then I just want to share a quick food truck story. So, you know how crowded that Georgia Street is? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, Friday I had about 40 minutes after one thing mm-hmm. to, to grab a bite. So, I went to the very first truck that was the turkey leg and, like, barbecue mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks kind of ramshackle compared to most of them. So, there was hardly any line. But really good food. Then there's a table and there's two people standing at the pub height table. And I go, hey, can I can I 
use this part of the table they're like yeah no problem end up talking to them they're they're locals in india young couple this was their second gen con then this other guy walks up and he goes hey guys can i like grab this corner of the table we're like yeah no problem he was from texas it was his first gen con so just we got to know each other like you know you share a meal with somebody and, and hang out and just get in the perspective of four strangers that were you know standing at a table um eating food truck food in a quick 30 minute lunch yeah and i I mean i wouldn't be too like we did uh the food trucks on one of the lunches too and 30 minutes in and i mean there was a line we went to one of the barbecue places and we kind of looked like okay this looks like a place that knows what they're doing and again are they i think like any food truck are they cooking the food or are they assembling the food if they're assembling Again, it was a decent, in and out, it was yeah. a decent line, but we were in and out in thirty minutes, and, right? And really good. It was some really good barbecue that we got from. Again, there was a couple of different trucks over time, but yeah, just a blast to be out on Georgia Street and drink some beer out there and everything else. So, any any meals other than Pearl Street Pizzeria that you really liked? Did you order hot box? No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> All right. What was the coolest thing you saw? One thing. Best thing, awesomest thing, Josh. I really enjoyed playing with Ivan and you and the crew. That was that was probably my favorite thing. Excellent. That was the coolest thing. Excellent. Troy, coolest Gen Con experience, moment, thing you saw, thing you did. I had a lot of cool things. One. So it's hard, hard. One. To, it doesn't I'm, have to I'm be. Gonna, I'm going to break. I'm going to break. Oh, okay. of like course a half, you're going to break the rules. Well, it was kind of cool to be on Lucas Oil Field and play a game. Mm-hmm. And then we also got to walk on the turf. So that was a little bit cool, too. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that. All right. And then an old callback. <laughs> Sorry, this one. It's not really my coolest thing, but old callback. John and I had, I had a bunch of generics burning a hole in my pocket. John and I went and played Mech Warrior Pods just one time, again for old time's sake, and it was it, it was fun. It was a it was a lot of fun just for that ten minutes that you get to go shoot some mechs and and everything worked and it, it, and I, what's hilarious is I can remember being in Milwaukee in like 1993 <laughs> whatever it was and standing in line for hours where we we played that many many times when it was kind of brand new and it's just kind of funny that. There's still people like we went for like I just want to buy one. And there are people in front of us like, here I want to buy ten different you know times to shoot my back. I'm like really like what well, can't you just go home and play in your. <laughs> but but it was really fun to kind of go and I have my printout for when I shot John and everything of the the sheet you get that shows you all your damage from McQuarrie. So it was a really cool kind of throwback for for that. So maybe not my coolest thing, but it was one of the cool things at Gen Con. It was really a cool four days, is my my thing. So, Ty, what was your your one cool thing? Are you going to cheat like me? You know, it it was really just Gen Con. It, the <laughs> the people, the places, like um, it. There were certainly events, but it's not often. I talked about it as the lead up. The one thing that I like most about Gen Con is all of my friends that I play games with are there, and that was the case. You know getting together in the JW after hours, mm-hmm. cycling through games, learning a new one with Matt and Barry, like, and us getting right back to where it's cutthroat right out of the gates. Like, <laughs> uh, just those, you know, that, that whole experience Gen Con itself this year was, it was a really good experience. Um, you know, uh, 
Gen Con always has a high potential to suck because of the crowds <laughs> and the way they run things, but it, it was pretty smooth this year. Just a quick breather, and then we're going to play it or slay it, AOS Champions, and then we'll wrap up with events and uh, upcoming things in, in the Midwest. All right, gentlemen, let's sit down and do a play it or slay it review of AOS Champions, the collectible trading card game. I always forget if it's a collectible card game mm-hmm. or a trading card game. Is it a trading? Well, it's a collectible. Both. Collectible yeah. trading card game. Yeah, both. Uh, so PlayFusion partnered up with Games Workshop. PlayFusion, I believe, did Lightseekers, which yep. uh, the mechanic of turning cards in each corner, having something unique, carries forward into this game. Um Brief overview, Age of Sigmar has four grand alliances, death, destruction, order, and chaos. Uh, they have built starter decks for each of those grand alliances. Those are the four factions with which you can build your decks. Each deck contains uh, roughly 30 or some action cards, unit cards, spell cards, ability cards, and four blessings and four champions. Um, the way that Age of Sigmar Champions is laid out is really lanes. Think of like you have four lanes on your uh, play space. So unlike Magic or other games where you're summoning cards in anywhere and you can have any number, you're limited to these four lanes. You put your four champions out in an order of your choosing, then you randomly put face down your four blessings below them, and then your deck is going to become the units and spells that go into play in front of your champion. So you have three rows uh, of four columns, really. Um, Each turn, you're given two actions. Uh, You can use those actions to cast spells, uh, summon units, use heroic actions on your champions, um, play other ability cards, or if you choose not to take those actions, you can draw cards. So you could always just take no actions and draw two cards. Or take one of those actions, draw one card, so on and so forth. As you put things into play, they're going to have unique uh, corners that are either amounts of damage they do. Every card's going to have some type of turn effect. Your champion corners are quests, so they need to complete certain objectives. It could be summon a specific unit type, activate a heroic action, remove an enemy unit, different things like that that will turn them. Whereas the rest of your units and spells at the beginning of your turn all turn a, a quarter turn. As you do that, all of your damage and attacks is going to your enemy. So you start with roughly 30 hit points. Your champions control your health point total, and you're doing damage directly. So it's not like I assign my three units to attack, you assign blockers. It's I do, I resolve, you negate if you can, but you're not managing creatures like most other uh, card games like that. You play until one player is at zero. If your champion completes their four objectives, you do get to reveal the blessing that's behind them. Blessings are uber-powerful cards that either do a tremendous amount of damage, bring units back, do a number of things that really, if you're not keeping up with your opponent and they get a blessing out, it's going to be a pretty short game uh, after that point for for you. Um, that's the gist of the mechanics. But Age of Sigmar, art... The cards all look pretty cool. Um, Josh, what are what are your initial thoughts just on mechanics and the, the look and feel of AOS Champions? Yeah, I mean, I really like the rotating card mechanic. That's kind of neat. Um, 
Uh, it's something I hadn't really seen before. I, I, I mean, I guess it's uh, from that um, Lightseekers. 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 I, I've never played Lightseekers, so it's, this is sort of new to me. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, I like the um, you know the champions. Once you get them fully rotated around, then the blessing comes out. Um, that's kind of a cool mechanic. Um, and then also the the lanes. So you know, different units and different spells affect different lanes. Um, you know, whether it's straight straight ahead or to either side or whatever. Um, I think that's interesting um, because you, you don't always know, you know, where you're going to get attacked from um, and you don't always have control of where you're going to attack and that sort of thing. So um, it, it, really cool. A lot of a lot of things going on there. Um, the, the one thing I was concerned about, and it's actually for you guys, um, so some of the cards are, you know, they're separated into factions and I thought some of them, the colors are a little bit muted. Um, one thing I did notice last night was the borders around the names of the cards, uh, have the different factions. And then also, um, you know, there are units, um, unit names that kind of match up with different factions, mm-hmm. but some of the spells, like I thought could be kind of, if you didn't notice, um, certain things like the colors are very similar, and that's what I was one thing I was worried about for you guys specifically. I had a hard time for a couple of them, so um, it, that was the, that was my one uh, knock on the game. Um, it, the other cool thing is they're they're going to be doing um, you know uh, the mobile game, so mm-hmm. yeah, you can actually take your cards and scan them in, uh, use your phone and, and, and take pictures. Um, so you can have your actual physical cards digitally. Um, I think that's really neat. Um, w- one thing that was brought up to me was, you know, there there might be some forgery going on there. But I mean, really, so, like, so it's really cool. The dots around the outer border, mm-hmm. the black dots, they're each a unique signature for the card. Oh, cool! So if somebody else got the card, you could do that. But yeah, those sure. are, uh, I didn't that's really know the signature that. for that card. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Um, yeah, so maybe it's maybe it's harder than than uh, mentioned. But. Yeah, and, and John tried a bunch of things because he was like, also he's like, this feels a little bit too easy to mess with. But yeah, it, and he didn't know what the he's like. There's something on these cards that is keeping him yeah. from because you he, he couldn't he was trying to like do copies or take pictures and stuff, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't it would only really scan the cards and put them into his, into his thing. So that's yeah, cool. they've done it again. I'm sure people with enough time and effort, be able to figure it out. But right. again, if you're spending all that effort, just go <laughs> just buy, buy the, the cards. cards right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, um, Troy, what, what were your kind of initial thoughts as you opened it up, took a look? Um, I'm, it just looks really different, like different. That's what really got me excited about it. It's it, a little lot different gameplay. Again, the stuff Josh talked about, I mean, there's no mana, no real management in terms of, of, of energy or anything like that. And, and then the four lanes that you're kind of fighting in. So I think, I think that's what got me intrigued. It's like, this seems really different. And plus the, the spinning of the cards um, is, I think it's got me really interested to, to try and play it. And like, I haven't actually got it. I've kind of watched some of the tutorials and start opening my cards and playing with that. I, I have not noticed to see how is it will be hard to tell some of the factions or stuff like that. I think that's something we'll have to get a hand on when we actually play it. But. Yes. So what what I will say about the factions, if you're familiar with AOS and, and like <laughs> yeah, it might be understand, easy, it is really easy to, to from the art. Like maybe I go beyond familiar. I'm kind of a junkie. Um, but 
recognizing the art, recognizing the names, mm-hmm. you know, the, the spells are abilities mm-hmm. from war scrolls mm-hmm. of that faction. Yeah. The units are war scroll units for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. So like there is that recognition. If you're familiar with AOS, that, that helps. Right. Um, but if you're not like you could yeah. really get the mm-hmm. colors mixed up and that, that was the one thing that I was worried about, but um, the, uh, the cool thing too. And I, I always like card games where you can always do something. Um, and that's been my biggest knock as a player against magic. And I understand deck construction and you have to weigh it out. And t- But if I want to sit down and play, I don't want to draw a hand and not be able to do anything mm-hmm. because I don't have mana. And and take it as it is. Like I don't care if people disagree with me. That's why I personally will not like magic as much as some people because I've had plenty of times where I just can't do anything because I don't have the land that I need to do anything. And that creates a feel bad out in this game. You can always do something. You're always mm-hmm. playing cards. You're always taking actions. And I like that because gameplay goes quicker. Um, I think you get, you know, you get more, more juice out of your hand when you can do stuff and you're not limited by what do I have resources to, to pay for. That was the biggest selling point for me when I, looked at it was oh i don't have to manage any resources no the biggest selling point was it had age of sigmar in the title <laughs> that's that's true um that's true the second biggest it could have been garbage point. and we all would have bought a pack so, and then just never played it yeah i think the cool thing is we're like hold it this is like a really cool game and it's got aos art all over it right? so let's like, and let's talk about the the marketing yeah. uh so it's it's not games workshop i mean they licensed it it's play fusion it's it's available what's cool though is it is in games workshop stores mm-hmm. uh down at the shop they've got it mm-hmm. um and it's i think it's an easy access point it's 25 dollars for a starter deck mm-hmm. uh Booster packs are what four bucks mm-hmm. each, um, so it's right in the in the market, uh, and they put it in their stores, and you know they should be able to move it. It's going to be a good downtime or a quick play. Uh, you know, organized play will be interesting. I think tournaments, deck construction is going to be it. It's not a it doesn't. I don't have the feeling that you could actually draft AOS champions just the way that um, you need your champions and your blessings. Right. Um, but. Uh, price point to get started isn't bad um rules are pretty quick to learn i played a learner game at gen con and i've just kind of been cycling through cards figuring out and and it is cool seeing the factions have different play styles Mm -hmm. um starting to figure out like there's a stormcast deck that's going to be very reliable you know very durable uh and it it lines up with how those factions play um in aos which is cool like looking at the zinch cards understanding the spell powers and what's going on it's a uh, you know it's easy to see high magic for zinch is going to be the way to go lots of spells lots of units mm-hmm. that can remove and the death deck lots of graveyard bringing things back from your discard into hand or onto the board um mm-hmm. so there's definitely some flavor and theme there um and also, um, so uh, you know, grot units or skeleton units have the stack ability, so you you can um, you know add cards on top of uh, other cards that yeah. are out there. So kind of that um, you know attack in numbers type. Yeah, the horde, the massive units of AOS, right. and has uh, that kind of themey thing. Gain a bon- uh, they gain a benefit or a bonus for each card mm-hmm. below them. So. Right. Yeah. Um. I guess just, just quick. The starters are really only like fifteen bucks. Oh, fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. cool. Really, and, and 
even che- I think that's retail. So even cheaper yeah. as you go to your discount or Walmart or wherever it's going to end up. So, <laughs> um, absolutely. Any any final thoughts before we give? I mean, we all bought it. That's why we're we're doing it. Just as a mm-hmm. now that we've seen it, now that we've opened it up. Um, what do you think, Troy? Does it have legs? I think I did not. I just went in one starter and a couple boosters just to kind of get my feet wet. Because again, I, I I was kind of saying is just just you know is it is there a game here or is it just to buy some age you know age of sigmar cards? Um, but I'm really kind of excited because I'm really the the gameplay seems to be unique. Um, it seems to be uh, something that I already have a couple guys at work that seem like something they would throw down and play. I think you guys are already in so. Like any of these, right? You, these card games really kind of live and die by people in your environment that are going to kind of play with you, right? So I, yeah, it feels like I'm probably going to end up buying a few more cards and and <laughs> definitely being have some people that we play at lunch and things like that, uh, which is probably where this is going to get a lot of traction. So um, I'm excited. I, I need to get some games under to see, but it seems like there's cool choices and like you said, Ty, it seems like fast play and that you're you're always able to play and do some stuff and, mm-hmm. and you know, and even if you lose, then you're like, Oh, I need to go buy more cards. Right. That's usually. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say you're going to play it or slay it? I'm going to play it. All right, Josh, final thoughts. Uh, definitely going to play it. Uh, and I'm also excited for the digital version and mm-hmm. having that, mm-hmm. that crossover. I think that's super cool. So yeah, play it for sure. I would never encourage someone to play at their desk at work, but if you can play it, <laughs> and you got some downtime between that, your next meeting. Uh, might be a good chance. So I'm going to play it as well. I'm a, I mean, I'm a sucker for Games Workshop. The the IP itself is is just something I, I love. Age of Sigmar of the World. Seeing some art, looking at deck construction, uh, thematically to list building for the armies is kind of cool. Um, and uh, I was happy to see a fair bit of Deepkin cards mm-hmm. um, in the uh, in the uh, the boosters that I opened up. So expandability is going to be a big thing for sustaining my interest like how much how quickly are they going to release new new sets new cards how far are they going to go um but i'll i'll play it i mean i'm in we'll get a game night and play play through a few and then report back with a little more depth on on what we think but all right play to slay it age of sigmar champions the card game from play fusion and games workshop this has been a, a marathon episode i'm i'm loving it what do you say we do this weekly three-hour show? Boom. Yeah. Uh, between all the events this fall, that might be tough, but we'll, we'll try. <laughs> so speaking of uh, beauty uh, events upcoming, there's a lot going on this fall. So um, real quick, just want to plug uh, FlatCon, October 12th through the 14th in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois. Uh, plenty of Age of Sigmar and 40K events at that. Um, not going to be able to make that trip myself, but uh, certainly Troy's attended before. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Giardina is organizing a lot of the AOS stuff and doing a lot of promotion. Mini Stomp has sponsored a lot of the swag bags that they're giving out. So um, pretty cool there. Then the weekend after in Illinois, two tournament slash conventions, RockCon in Rockford, Illinois. That's the 19th through the 21st of October. And Dragonfall, uh, same weekend in Elmhurst, Illinois, a little closer to Chicago. Dragonfall's got a two-day AOS tournament, two-day 40K tournament, a bunch of one-day events, uh, some really cool stuff. RockCon, I think, has several miniature game events. Yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of I mean, the guys from the um, 40K group uh, up here in Milwaukee tend to go down and, and 
play a whole bunch of stuff there. Dan Bears has always kind of been there and joined with them. So, um, yeah, it, RockCon always has had kind of, and I think they're combined with, um, is it like Naval Con or something? So you see a, some historical miniatures um, have a lot of presence there too, uh, and board game, a little bit of board gaming and everything else. So cool. Uh, but I will be at Dragonfall probably. <laughs> Uh, then shortly thereafter, uh, Anvil 8 Games will be crossing the Atlantic Ocean on their way to Essen, Germany for Essen Spiel Game Fair, um, October 25th to the 28th. So for any of our international listeners or travelers, uh, definitely, you know, download this episode, save it for a few months and it can take up 25% of your flight <laughs> across the pond. <laughs> Then uh, Holy Havoc, a narrative doubles event, November 2nd through the 4th, uh, right near Chicago. Steve Herner, tournament organizer. Dave and I uh, figured out our list. Um, he's my partner, one of the local guys from Milwaukee. Going to have some fun. Um, Brendan and uh, Bryce have a uh, a list that sounds, sounds like fun. So it's a narrative mm-hmm. event, so we're trying to not bring a, a beat face list, but it'll be fun. <laughs> Um, looking forward to that one. And then the weekend after that, Game Hole Con, November 8th through the 11th in Madison, Wisconsin. Talked a little bit about that. True Dungeons there. Event registration was recently. I haven't even bought a badge yet, but I'll be there and probably just hanging out in the board game room, playing stuff and socializing more than, more than anything else. I am registered, ready to rock and roll. Excellent. Level six this year. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Um, all right, so that is it for things on the calendar coming up. Um, I know we don't really have any listeners down south, but the first weekend in October in uh, Alabama, Chaos GT, Jacob Burleson. I'm not sure how full he is. It's at a local game store, Games Cafe. I think he can accommodate about 30 players. Um, but a, a new tournament, great guy down there, Chaos GT. And that's uh, Huntsville, Alabama. So um forgot that in the list but wanted to to plug that real quick that does it for us good good catching up on gen con Ooh. talking about what we've played by hobbied um you know guys just let's uh we'll come back next time and probably talk more about what we played yep that we bought at gen con because um, there were more games played yeah so yeah there's a lot game played but for now Please let us know uh, any comments, reviews on iTunes. I always look forward to seeing what um, what the listeners have to say. You can contact us on our Facebook page at Playin' and Slayin', Twitter at Playin' Slayin' Show, basementofdeath.com, where every episode gets posted, and you can read the uh, wonderful blog posts that Troy uh, Troy puts up there. We owe some content to Troy. I have like five years <laughs> of unauthored uh, blog posts that I need to send him. And you can email us if you want to, uh, you know, play by email a new Starfinder campaign with Josh. You could reach him at josh at basementofdeath.com. He'll GM a Starfinder email game. Um, Ty at basementofdeath.com. Troy at basementofdeath.com. Info at basementofdeath.com. Man, here's where I'd insert a commercial, roll out the end credits, and, you know. But for now, everyone, keep the dice rolling. The drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying.
Playing and Slaying is another podcast with Ty, one of the guys from Guys from Milwaukee, the club that Brendan is a part of as well. Uh, Ty and company have doing that podcast for a while. Really enjoy it. Ty's got one of those sweet, soothing, uh, making love to you voices that you just can't get enough of. Thank you, Ty. Uh, 